When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. How you doing? I'm doing great. Hope you're doing great. Man, this is unbelievable. Look at this weather. Every time I walk out without a winter jacket on, I am smiling like a butcher's dog, and you should be too. Get out and enjoy it. This does not feel like January if you've lived here most of your life and just heard the news. The weather update from Andrew Dawson, our outstanding news reader, and it looks like uh, this weather's going to continue, so good news. 936-6262, the number to call locally. You can text that number to 936-6262 to get some input from you as you're our sports cage shareholders. Also, toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Hey, Ballsy, I miss you on the call-in show. Love love chopping it up with you. Well, I'm here every day from 3 until 6 with my buddy Sean Kleisinger, so you could chop it up with us. Give us a call. Let's talk some sports. What are you thinking about your Regina Pats on a three-game heater? Big weekend set against the Swift Current Broncos. Uh, Friday there, Saturday here. We'll have some Pat chat action a little later on in the show as we'll hear from Alex Suzdalev, who scored a highlight real goal against the Portland Winterhawks. We're going to talk SJHL hockey coming up here just before 3.30. The Estevan Bruins, the biggest jump in the top ten there as they've gone from 6-2. to two. They uh, blanked North Battleford, the juggernaut North Stars. Their first regulation loss of the season was in Estevan. Last weekend, 5 nothing. the Bruins won there. We'll talk to the voice of the Esteban Bruins, Nolan Cole, who's actually done a uh, football broadcast for us on these airwaves when our buddy Sean Gleisinger was under the weather. Nolan had to come in and do that. Um, also coming up on the show a little later on, yes, we're finally going to catch up with Nathan Rourke. He promises to join us after 5. Had, a, obviously, things going on yesterday with regards to his new team, the Jacksonville Jags. Tyrone Poole, who we uh, struck out with yesterday as a guest, he is going to join us, too, the two-time Super Bowl champ. Talk about Tom Brady, his old teammate. You think it's his last game? Peter Lubardius, after 4.30 to talk NHL hockey. Got a real interesting guest before 5 o'clock, too. That would be uh, Dr. Rob Bell, sports psychologist, who has uh, talked at the NFL Combine a number of years with NFL coaches and scouts and stuff. So we'll talk to uh, him a little later on about mental toughness, something we see all the time and hear all the time. In the world of sports, Dan Shulman is going to be Dan Shulman too, and Arash Madani. You know, we have so many guests on this show. I just keep it just keeps uh, yeah. coming and coming, and I forget them all. Uh, eight games in the NHL tonight, including the West leading Winnipeg Jets at Montreal, Florida's in Toronto, Edmonton hosting Seattle. Evander Kane is back in the Oilers lineup from that wrist injury. Yamamoto, Kyler Yamamoto, and local product your buddy Ryan Murray placed on the long time uh, long term injured reserve list, but that's more, uh, I think, um, 
salary juggling because they got to free up cap space for Kane. Now, the thing with the Oilers is scoring isn't their problem. It's keeping the puck out of their net. I'm not shocked by this as a Chargers fan. Brandon Staley staying put as the Chargers head coach. He survives despite blowing a 27-0 lead, but he did fire his offensive coordinator, Vince Lombardi's grandson, Joe Lombardi, and passing coach Shane Day. That's called off-season chargering, folks. That's what we call <laughs> that. A disgrace to Vince. Here's the other thing to consider. Saturday night's game will leave a mark that could be hard to overcome, even with a new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And even though multiple players have spoken out in favor of Staley, they're like most of us. Nobody really likes change. Change is hard. Uh, it's been nearly 30 years since the Chargers played in their only Super Bowl appearance, a blowout loss to Steve Young, Ricky Waters, and uh, Jerry Rice and the uh, San Francisco 49ers in Miami. Um, Dion, I think, was on yeah, that team. Yeah. Do they, Gary Plummer, who's been on the show before, do they go all in? Or stay with the status quo. Well, they've taken half measures, and we know what that means. Half measures don't work more than half the time, so good luck to the Chargers. Former Lions coach Jim Schwartz, the new D.C. in Cleveland. Bill O'Brien, the Patriots' former offensive coordinator who was with the team from 2007 to 2011. Apparently the team's first choice to serve as offensive coordinator in 2023. WHL tonight, big matchup in Moose Jaw. we got the Warriors hosting the Saskatoon Blades. That should be a good one. There's only two games on the docket tonight, and that's one of them. What's the other one? Prince George at uh, Medicine Hat. Okay. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks star Giannis Ante the Combo. He is. I love how he did that again. Ante the Combo. I like it. The Greek freak <laughs> is out with a knee injury. It's kept him out for the last three games. They take on Toronto tonight. Man. They shouldn't uh, need him. Both him and Chris Middleton have just been off and on the injury report all year. It's tough. All right. So uh, LeBron James became only the second yeah. player in NBA history to score thirty-eight thousand points on Sunday night. His total after that game with the 76ers, thirty-eight thousand and twenty. Four, uh, they, they played the Rockets again last night, so he's added to that total. Now uh, he's the second leading scorer in NBA history, uh, just behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had thirty-eight thousand three eighty-seven. Did you see that clip yesterday, LeBron James and Jabari Smith Jr. of the Rockets? Jabari Smith went up to LeBron and was like, "Hey, you played with my dad," and LeBron started laughing. He was like, "What? I did?" And it was like Jabari's like, "Yeah, when he was with the Sacramento Kings." And the Browns like, oh my goodness! And so, of course, I had to look into it. And did he? And, and yes, he did. Uh, Jabari Smith uh, Senior was on the Kings in uh, LeBron's rookie year. It's funny he forgets. Yeah, you he, know, you know the fa- <laughs> you know the famous forgetting story. I'll get to that in a second. I want yeah. I want to tell you this. Carl uh, Malone's the third leading scorer of all time. The mailman, thirty six thousand nine twenty eight. If he doesn't get hurt. The mailman, uh, early 2000s, the Lakers probably have four championships in a row with Kobe and Shaq. Now, here are my top five NBA players of all time Ooh, since I've yeah. been alive. Since I've been alive. Okay, okay. Michael's okay. one. Okay. Kobe's two. Ooh, okay. Uh, number three. Hold on here. I got some. Number three, I got Magic. Number four, LeBron. Number five, Larry. That's my top Ooh. five. Do you got a top five? Top five since I've been alive. Since you've been watching. I'm not a big basketball yeah, okay. guy. I'll, I'll go top five since I've been watching basketball, which is, uh, well, my first NBA Finals I remember watching was 98. Jordan beat the Utah Jazz. So I'll go from there. Jordan's number one. Uh, honestly, for me, Shaquille O'Neal has to be up there because, like, those Laker teams, he was so dominant. I'm going to go Shaq, number two. Number three, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Uh, number four. 
Uh, number four for me, uh, probably Vince Carter. Vince yep. Carter, he was on fire at a 2000 yep. dunk contest that set the league on fire between the legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, uh, number five would be a tough one. Uh, number five, I'm trying to think. Probably Kobe Bryant. Why so, not? So I had Shaq at six, just on the outside. Yeah, Shaq could have been way, Shaq could have been Ooh. way better than he was if yeah. he really. Wanted to be better, but he, when he wanted to be good, yeah, man, he like was the, the best. those playoff pushes with dominant. the Lakers, he was dominating. Nobody yes. was stopping no. that dude. He would run through dudes. Yeah, and so the other boards would fall on his head yeah. and everything. <laughs> the other guy, have you watched those Shaq shows? I'm Not crazy. yet. Man. You got to get to it, man. You're an NBA fan. I know. I, I times t- times tight. Yeah. Times okay. Tight. And then the other thing, the other one I had, kind of, I love watching him play. AI, Alan. Oh Iverson. yeah, he was good. He was great. He daggered my bucks yeah, in the 2001 yeah, and, and, Eastern and Conference. And he got them single-handedly to the championship against the Lakers, where they yeah. didn't stand. He a deserved chance. it. He he deserved the ring, man. But I'll he tell you what, I'm ring. getting bored of the NBA because it's turned into a three-point league. Gone are the guys like Giannis and Shaq and Mailman when he had to be tough and physical inside. And that's what football's turning into. Kind of got into it lightheartedly online with Farhan. Now, keep in mind, my kid's a safety, his kid's a quarterback. But he's like, offense, 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 offense. To me, that's boring. Like, yes, it's okay to have a... I want to see a 38-34 game more than I want to see a 17-10 game. But can't we get a happy medium? Like, to me, like, in that uh, Chargers-Jags game, Asante Samuel had three interceptions. One, the receiver ran into him. He's holding his ground. He kind of holds the receiver. And Dungy's freaking out. Oh, that should be pass interference. Well, no. Let them play football. And, you know... We can't be speaking for all fans now because this fan here likes to go back to watch 1960s NFL games on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. And like those games are just as exciting, even more exciting than now. I well, mean, I can tell tough you right now. run and gun football yeah. with the, the occasional huge big pass play that makes the pass plays even more exciting. Well, I said last. Too much of something is not good. I said that's why I like the likes of Dan Fouts with Air Coriel. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Kellen Winslow Sr. and Charlie Joyner, John Jefferson, West Chandler, or Pioneers. Su- or Super Duper Clay, Super Duper Mark Duper or Mark Clayton and those kind of guys with Dan Marino. No running game, no defense. And they could tap, they literally could tackle guys. I don't agree with that, but I like a happy medium. Do you think the Bears? 85 defense would have been as dominating? No way. There's no way. So no we're getting a little bit uh, carried away with some of these. Uh, 2002 Buccaneers even, as well. Even Yeah, even uh, Tom Brady said, uh, hey, I benefit from the rules, but I don't like the rules. Yeah. Hey, by the way, speaking of him, do you think he's done? Is he washed up? Is he done? I, I, I personally think he's washed. I, I like I don't think he... See, I think he's better than a third of the quarterbacks he, in the league. The thing is, I just don't know if he's mentally in it. Well, maybe that's Like, it. when I watch his press conferences, even compared to, like, two, three years ago, there's just something about his demeanor that just rubs me wrong, that makes me think that he doesn't... Yeah, he's not into it anymore. Back in the day... Though, what do I know? Though? Back in the day, Brady could carry a team. Like, he had hardly any weapons on the Patriots. Just besides, like Rodgers Yeah, could. he could carry a team. Those two guys are proving to you they can't carry teams yeah. anymore because of age. So if he goes somewhere, the line's got to be... Like, he was running for his life yesterday. Mm-hmm. The line's got to be good. He's got to have some weapons. You know, the Tampa line wasn't good this you know year. Where, they couldn't run do you the know ball. where Tom Brady... If he went to the... To be the New York Jets quarterback, yeah. like that is a good defense, good offensive line. Dolphins? And the same division. If he went to the Dolphins? Yeah, Dolphins. 
The Raiders don't have they don't have a battle nah. line, but their defense isn't very nah, good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anything nah. to do with Josh nah, McDaniels. I think uh, I th- too yeah. much of a power struggle there. Okay, and I've got an issue with the CFL that I want to bring up here. Now, I love the Canadian Football League. I like all football, but you know me, I love the league. Okay, mm. you and I are trying to create this show where it is the it's where you tune in to to listen to football talk any football right here from the little tykes all the way up and we are the three down radio station right that's what we are in Canada there's not a lot of talk radio stations in Canada or talk sports shows and there's not a lot with the dedication to the three down game so we're trying to not only highlight rough riders but other athletes cuz in our opinion well so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call I'm just going to vaguely I'm not gonna tell you the teams. But you and I have reached out to two separate CFL teams that aren't the Riders. Mm-hmm. Riders generally good with us, although they could help us out a little more too. And and we have ongoing discussions about that because I don't know if anybody's really had an interest that much till now. Okay, but we're taking the lead. But we reached out to two CFL teams, and both of them said. We're not doing interviews right now. We'll do them closer to training camp. What? Yeah. The hell is that? It's disappointing. It's man. not the rules. It's not the game. It's the promotion. You and I sat at an NFL game side by each mm-hmm. Chargers game. We both said, "Hey, man, these are some of these guys are elite athletes that we don't have in the CFL, obviously." But it's the presentation. Our game is better. Yeah. But we don't promote our game. We don't mm-hmm. do any of that stuff. I mean. The the NFL off season is like its own season on its own. There is no off season. Like there is no off the season. amount of news, the amount of stuff going on. Like that's what I'm not trying to say. We're trying to replicate that, but we're you know we're trying to make it. Why can't we? Well, we're why trying to make yeah. it a separate season. And why can't we try to do it the best that we can? Make it a separate season, like you said, CFL week. Well, they don't want to do that because well, translation is too much money. But we'll. This is what I hear. We see the same people come back year after year. We want to get new fans. Well, then get into streaming. Get into that. Put a good effort into that. You're going to have to spend money. You're going to have to. And also the way to get new fans is talk about the product year-around because people are listening year-around. And when they hear CFO players, CFO coaches, you know, that's part of the way that you make it happen. You just can't do it seasonally. You know, you know, you know. I love me some keg, but if Sean Kleisinger and Michael Ball have a great steakhouse, they've got the best steaks in the world. But we don't tell people we've got the best steaks in the world, and then prove it when they come to our steakhouse. They're just going to go to the keg. You got to promote, promote, promote. Coming up, we are going to promote some local amateur hockey. We're headed out to Estevan to speak with Nolan Cole, voice of the Estevan Bruins. Here on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Our show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Thanks to them for their continued support. Our text line is 936-6262. That's also the number you can call locally, or you can call us toll-free, like you do on the call-in shows during Rider Games. 1-866-767-0620. We're just ahead of uh, getting a hold of uh, Nolan Cole, voice of the Estevan Bruins. 
uh, as they have climbed the SJHL standings here from uh, they were ranked sixth last time. They're already up to number two. He's also calling Regina Pats hockey games on Access 7, uh, Access Now as they call it now. So let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline, get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza, and say hi to Nolan. How are you, Nolan? I'm good, Ballsy. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for joining me. Uh, we appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule there. So let's, uh, first of all, talk about your impressions of Connor Bedard. You've called, you called a couple of games last weekend. Dude has come back from the World Juniors where maybe the treadmill was turned up to 10 there, but it feels more like it's six in the WHL. He is steamrolling dudes. Yeah, he is, and uh, yeah, just both games this past weekend, uh, you, you could just see, like, covering the Pats a bit before Christmas and the difference with that team after Christmas when he returned. They're obviously a, a different team with him in the lineup, and who wouldn't be, right? But yeah, I mean, last weekend, he gets he gets the hat trick on the Friday, he gets two more on the Saturday, that's not counting what he did against Calgary the previous game, which is, I believe, a six-point night. So it, it, the one thing that stands out to me right now, it just seems like every goal he scores is highlight reel. I think this past weekend you could go back, look at all five goals, and they're all, they, they all belong on the highlight reel. And so, um, you know, what he's doing is special right now. I, I overheard a scout in the media room prior to Saturday's game say he was the best player he's ever seen in, in the WHL, and, and this scout was, was up there in age. So that's saying something, and, uh, you know, I, it was great to see the Brad Center pack two both nights ballsy because I think, you know, people are starting to finally realize that, hey, we we got to watch this guy play uh, before he moves on. All right, so let's uh, take a look at the standings here, and it was a big victory for the Estevan Bruins, the defending Estevan. SJHL champs, they've jumped in the power rankings from 6-2 to two on the strength of that big victory over the Battleford North Stars. Tell me about that juggernaut game out in your neck of the woods. Well, they had a, a massive win over the Stars on Saturday, and, and Battleford's was undefeated in regulation coming into that game. Um, and you know, the, uh, I think, you know, obviously the Bruins were underdogs going into that game. No one had an answer for, for Battleford's as of yet, and the Stars were on a 3-3, three and three, finishing up at 3-3, three and three, but I think they had done that before, so I don't think they'd use that as an excuse. Uh, give the Bruins all the credit in the world. Obviously, I wasn't at the rink for it, but uh, all accounts are that this team played uh, arguably their best game of the year. Um, it sounds like everyone really bought in. I just spoke with Jackson Miller, the, the Bruins goaltender, who, who got the 30 30- 30 safe shutouts uh, in that game with Cam Herblikow with an injury. So, um, you know, he just said before the game, everyone just kind of bought in and there was a feeling in the dressing room that they were going to go out and win. So you knew that streak was going to come to an end at some point, and I think it's fitting that it comes against the defending champion Bruins uh, because I think more people are starting to take notice of this team. They've dealt with a lot of adversity and a lot of player departures, and they're still in a pretty good spot in the SJHL standings right now. Have they caught on in Estevan? You guys hosted the big uh, national tournament this past spring. You won the championship in terms of the league. Didn't didn't uh, win the tournament, but it's always a crapshoot when you have that. But uh, is the town behind the Estevan Bruins? Because it's kind of a trend. You know, it's kind of a, it almost has a California feel. We'll, we'll cheer for you when, when we feel like it. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, and that's a fair assessment. I, like you know, the, I just think back to the playoffs last year. It was it was full pretty much every night, and even the Centennial Cup games were were full. So I think uh, you know it's like any other market though, Ballsy. Like a Wednesday night, you know, when it's minus twenty, yeah. it, it can be tough to get fans out, right? But you know, there's been weekend games in the past here during the regular season that have been 
that have been packed and great atmospheres. And, um, you know, I think there was up over 1,000, about 1,200 for the win over Battlefords on Saturday. So that's a good number. It, it'd be great if they could get, you know, 1,000, 1,200 every night with the rink we have down here. Um, but that's maybe not realistic. But I tell you what, there, I think there's more buzz around this team now because we're only a couple months away from playoffs and we're going to go up to Flin Flon. You know, the Bombers are coming up on the schedule a few times here, so that'll rekindle some memories from last spring. So I think I think as we go along over the next couple months, it's going to get, you know, more and more momentum because this team certainly like certainly looks like they're going to compete again uh, here this spring coming up. So in the league, uh, look at the top ten, but really looks like it's the Battleford Stars and then I uh, lump uh, two, three, and four, like Esteban, Humboldt, Flin Flon. Would you agree with that? assessment like those are like the four uh big kingpins yeah i i think so you know obviously the stars have been uh kind of unparalleled in what they've done i i think you know overall you look at it right now and i think battlefords and flinflon are are you know the consensus top two teams right now the bruins have worked their way up but the bruins have played more games than anyone and so there's a lot of teams that have games in hand on estevan right now so the bruins you know where they they finish obviously remains to be seen in terms of if they, whether or not they're going to have home ice in the first round. But Battlefords is on another level right now. Uh, the Bombers have made a move at the deadline. They're gearing up for another run after getting so close last year. You know they want to get back. And then Humboldt, obviously a perennial contender. And I would I would put Larange and Melford into the, to that group as well with the Bruins. So those top six teams. I think if you had to kind of handicap it right now, you would you would go with those six, and, and you could make a strong argument that any one of those six uh, could compete for the league title. All right, Nolan, thanks for your time. Thanks for the quick update. We'll have you on again, and make sure you hit me up when you come into town to call another Pats game. I'll buy lunch. It's on me, okay? Sounds good, Ballsy. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me again. That's the voice of the Estevan Bruins, Nolan Cole. Coming up, we've got... Our Indigenous Sports Spotlight. We'll talk to Bill Shea from The Athletic and Dan Schulman, too. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Ticker at 3.30. It's for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. The Cleveland Browns plan to hire Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator, per sources. Schwartz won a Super Bowl as uh, the Eagles' defensive coordinator a few years back. The Indianapolis Colts have put in a request to interview Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, according to multiple sources. Quinn is uh, scheduled to interview with the Denver Broncos on Friday. NHL tonight, Winnipeg is in Montreal. Florida is in Toronto. The Seattle Kraken are in Edmonton to take on the Oilers. Detroit at Mullet Arena in Arizona. Buffalo, Chicago. Minnesota, Washington. Anaheim at Philadelphia. And the Jackets are in Nashville. You appear on AEW Dark. Talk a little bit about the experience and just what it was like to be able to appear on, you know, one of the the few major uh, wrestling promotions. Yeah, I'm Sebastian Wolf and I'm a professional wrestler. It's a really great experience. Um, one I'm still uh, reeling over in the moment. Um, yeah, it just uh, kind of came about because I'm currently based out of Vancouver and uh, it came to Seattle. And Portland, actually, because I'm First Nations, I was able to go work down there under uh, what's called the Jay Treaty. Yeah, that allowed me to actually get the bookings. Usually, for Canadians, you need a U.S. working visa to go do work for them, or you got to 
here. So I was really fortunate that uh, the opportunity presented itself. Couple contacts there from when they were still on the independent circuit. So I, I got in touch with a couple people there and they kind of set me up on who to contact. And yeah, the next thing I know, about a month out, I got a got an email saying I'm invited to come to the tapings in Seattle and Portland. I guess you had an opportunity to, I guess, perform with someone who's quite well known in the wrestling industry. You know, you were you were opposite of, you know, Matt Hardy, as well as fellow Canadian uh, Ethan Page. But what was it like getting a chance to share the same ring as someone like Matt Hardy, who, you know, I'm pretty sure we, we all grew up watching as part of the Hardy Boys or, you know, even in a singles career. What was what was that like to be able to, to share the same ring? Yeah, um, so that was just, like, absolutely surreal. I still don't feel like it happened, even though the match came out. And, you know, I, I look at the match graphic, like, every day pretty much, and I'm just like, how is this real life? Because now, like you said, I'm pretty sure anybody who knows wrestling knows who the Hardy Boys are. And I definitely was a huge fan of both Matt and Jeff growing up. Like, they were my favorite tag team when they when they did the whole TLC feud with the Dudleys and Edge and Christian. Like, that was my team. Yeah, to when they wrote my name on the board next to Matt and Ethan Page and that, I was just like, wow, like this a bit too crazy. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And no, we don't just throw random things on the air. That was Sebastian Wolf, part of our Indigenous Sports Spotlight. We do that. We highlight an athlete, a coach, or a builder in Indigenous sports, and he's in sports entertainment as a professional wrestler. Um talking with our own tel- uh, Tanner Wallace-Scrivener uh, in a conversation there about AEW. All right. Uh, the show's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. Let's quickly head out in the Western Pizza Hotline, talk to a regular contributor here and a good friend of the show, Bill Shea from The Athletic. Are you feeling healthy now? You got the COVID and it wasn't too good on you there, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm much better now. Um, thank you for asking. It was a uh, a rough Thanksgiving and holiday season, but we're all back in the saddle now. Awesome. So Jim Harbaugh decides again he's staying at Michigan. Do you think he's just doing this so he can get a raise every time? Um, I, I don't know that that's his primary concern, but uh, it, it is certainly an advantageous benefit of the situation each time for Jim Harbaugh. Um, I, I, I don't know Harbaugh personally, um, but, uh, you know, he's he's in a, a unique, eccentric kind of guy. Um, this isn't the first time for any of this. I suspect he'll stay at Michigan until the ideal NFL situation arises for him, and one day he can get revenge on the 49ers. Now, you're a, you're an Ohio a fan or an Ohio guy in Michigan. Uh, we've talked about that before. You watch the playoffs. Like, I wanted Michigan to do something. I, you know, I wanted Ohio State to do something, but in the end, Georgia wins it. I mean, and Georgia wins it handily over TCU. It just feels like, is anybody ever going to beat the SEC? It's, it's getting boring, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State's, uh, you know, knocked off uh, in SEC, you know, Alabama, I think, what, 2014? Um, you know, they, they've been sort of the class of the conference, the Buckeyes, uh, for a while, and, you know, have been the, the program that has been able to mostly run with the SEC, um, but has lost a few here and there in the title game. 
Um, but it, it, it's hard. It's not easy. And, and we saw that. And, you know, we were a missed field goal as time expired away. And, and you know, uh, you know, Michigan barely losing um, to, t- to TCU from having an all Big Ten championship game, um, you know, that, that my sense is Ohio State would have won. Um, but who knows? Um, we are, we're left to, to speculate now. But, yeah, the SEC has definitely dominated for a while, and uh, your, your complaint is not a unique one. A lot, a lot of people are getting a bit exhausted by seeing the same teams. That includes Ohio State, too. A lot of people are tired of the Buckeyes as well. Bill Shea from The Athletic. He is their uh, sports biz reporter. I wanted to ask you, uh, Amazon's first year doing the games there, D- do we have any numbers? Was it was it a success? Do we know what's going on there? I hear NFL attendance is up too. Yeah, uh, the NFL had great attendance this year. I think it was like sixty nine thousand, right around seventy thousand, um, which is fantastic because that means for the NFL because it means you know they're they're making the money with the tickets and the parking and the hot dogs and the beer. Um, but you know the Amazon deal at one point two billion a year was a big experiment. You know, putting a a not a top tier NFL property, but you know a, a weekly NFL game behind a, a paywall, a streaming paywall. Um, a lot of people thought ah, this is not going to do really well. You know, it's, it might only you know the, the preseason game they did only got like a million viewers, and a lot of folks thought you know it's not going to do great. Um, and it turned out to do with with the, the Nielsen tracking more than nine million per game. Um, and that's more than a lot of people thought. Uh, it's less than Nielsen had promised its advertisers. Um, but, you know, the NFL got paid, and the NFL got paid a lot more than it used to get paid for Thursday. So the league traded it, the reach of Thursday nights for the money, and that paid off. Um, and a lot of critics, you know, were thought, you know, nobody's going to watch this. Well, $9 million's a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's not as big as the rest of the NFL. Um, you know, the league averaged, you know, like I think 16.7 million per every regular season game overall this year. Um, but it, it's, it's all, everybody got richer yeah. um, basically. And, and the NFL, you know, got to do its streaming experiment next year. They're adding a black Friday game on Amazon mm-hmm. the day after America Thanksgiving. Um, so we'll see how that turns out, but yeah, we're going to see more and more of this in sports, but can yeah, the get, NFL is so big can it's it, on its own. Yeah. Like, can it get too big though? Like, can you kill the golden calf? Do you know what I mean? It, it kind of, you know, Monday night was always special. Sunday night was special. Now, now we got Thursday night. Now we got a bl- a Black Friday game. Can you have too much of one thing? Because generally, that is the that is the theory. Yeah, you can. We we just don't know what it is for the NFL. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Amazon. There were some dud games. You know, seven million viewers or whatever. Amazon doesn't get to pick the games. That's the NFL is the schedule maker. You know, the networks and their partners. You know, have some input. Um, but you know, and, and, you know, and especially the second half of the season, you know, you don't know if a bunch of quarterbacks have gone down and teams that were supposed to be great, you know, they're having dud seasons. I mean, that's true for everybody. Amazon, you, they can't flex games in and out. That's that's not an option like it is for you know Fox and CBS later in the season. Um, so yeah, I, I I think it'll continue. More stuff will go behind streaming. The NFL will still be huge. Um, but at what point does it? level out 
I don't know. We're not there yet, but that line does exist somewhere. Bill Shea from The Athletic, you wrote a great piece uh, earlier on uh, Trevor Lawrence and his endorsement potential. Now he has a memorable comeback. I don't know if he should be credited or the Chargers should be criticized, probably a bit of both. But he walks into a Waffle House in Jacksonville after, just like a common guy uh, you know, ordering his food. How much could his rock star potential grow uh, with, with the season he's had? Obviously, there was a lot of hype and a lot of off, you know, off-field potential when he came out of Clemson a couple of years ago. Jaguars make him the number one pick. You know, Jacksonville is not the sexiest market in professional sports, and and I say that as someone who graduated high school in Jacksonville thirty some years ago, um, and probably ate at the same Waffle House that he did. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, 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 being an NFL quarterback is a national profile, and if you are very good at it and you win playoff games and you have signature playoff wins you know think of john elway in the drive and you know joe montana and the catch going way back um you know it, if you have victories that elevate you consistently at that position and it is the most important position in sports um team sports it, it opens up all of the doors for you um you know your personality matters a lot you know it's a guy like Peyton Manning is gregarious and his lens his personality lends itself. I, I don't know that much yet about Trevor Lawrence. He's a, uh, still a very young guy. You know, he threw four interceptions in the first half of that game. Then he threw four touchdowns. And yeah. Even if the you know the Chargers can be blamed for a big chunk of that, well, he still did it, um, and and they still won. Now, if he continues that, if he has a you know a great divisional game, if he gets the Jags to the Super Bowl somehow, like we're going to see a lot more of. of Trevor Lawrence's face on TV and in ads and trying to sell us everything. So the Jags are at the Chiefs, the Giants at the Eagles, Bengals visit the Bills, Cowboys against the Niners. Is there one of those games that intrigues you more than the others? For me, it's the Cowboys-Niners, the classic. Yeah, I mean that that is obviously that that rivalry goes way back, um, you know, to the eighties and 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 even before that. Um a lot of history, you know, the nineties too. Um but yeah, you know, the Cincinnati Buffalo game is you know, I'm I, that sort of thing jumps out at me. Just, you know, you've got mm-hmm. the young quarterbacks, you know, I'm an AFC guy, you know, I'm from Cleveland, so me too. I've seen a lot of these teams. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm really intrigued about, you know, I, you know, fingers crossed, I, you know, I played quarterback, I, I'd like to see a, a game where, the, you know, both guys are throwing for 500 yards and five touchdowns, <laughs> and it's whoever has the ball last. Um, you know, those teams are kind of the future of the, the NFL right now, I think, more than maybe some of the other matchups. And I, it's, I'm going to guess if it's a close game, uh, you know, a thriller, it's going to do big numbers. Mm. Bill, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Uh, glad to talk to you again. Glad you're on the way to uh, recovering your health. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. See ya. That's Bill Shea at The Athletic. Check him out on Twitter at, at Bill underscore Shea 19. When we come back, the great Dan Schulman joins us here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Ah, yeah. 
love it. Whenever I hear that song, I think of Fergie Oliver, actually, way back in the day. And remember, uh, was it Tony Kubek? He used to be the color commentator. I love Tony Kubek doing the Blue Jays games way back in the day. Uh, you know, this guy, I just could... Uh, you could be washing the dishes and not even see the TV and you feel in tune to the game. Dan Schulman, TV voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. My first time talking to him. Dan, thanks for taking time out of your schedule for joining us here on the Sports Cage. Uh, my pleasure. How you doing today? Doing awesome. Hey, I asked this of Al Murdoch, the voice of uh, the Canucks, the PA announcer, okay? When did Dan Schulman knew he had a great voice? <laughs> um... So uh, I didn't go to school for broadcasting. Um, I was a math major, but I went to Western in London and just started messing around in in my first year there on the radio station. And it was at that point, like a couple of buddies of mine said, you know, you're not terrible. Like you sound okay. And and so I kind of did that through my time at Western, but wasn't even planning on pursuing it as a career. One thing led to another and about six months after I graduated, I got my first job in Barrie, Ontario, and it was kind of about then, I guess, when I got to Barrie, when people started saying, you might have a future in this business, that, that sort of thing. So, you know, I think I'm different than a lot of people. This wasn't what I thought I'd be doing when I was 13 years old, you know, and then and you start thinking about what you're going to do for a career. This wasn't it. So I guess, I, you know, I was a little late getting into it. But I, I would say probably when I got my first job. All right. Well, thanks for rubbing it in. I'm just going to leave the control room now. The guy is a math major. and He's one of the best at it. I was going to say, who are, your, who are your friends that said, oh, you're okay? You might not be bad at this. Was it Vin Scully? Like, give me a break. No. Uh, <laughs> hey. Well, you know how buddies are, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm calling games on a 50-watt radio station uh, on the campus of Western Ontario. Yeah. And, you know, if the wind's blowing north, you couldn't hear the game south and, and that sort of thing. So yeah. uh, I also had a call-in show, and we rarely got calls. So my buddies would call in with, like, you know, half-serious, half-joking questions, fake names. You know you know how guys are. That's so it, awesome. it was just they, – they were just getting on my case. That is awesome. When did you – when did you f- – feel you had arrived like yeah you know what i'm i i can do this for a living like wh- you know was there a point in your career like yeah okay i i'm on the right track here um i, I was very lucky so i spent about a year and a half in barry and a friend of a friend of a friend knew somebody who knew somebody at what was then cjcl it wasn't even the fan in toronto yet it was cjcl 1430 and and my timing i was just so fortunate they were just starting to switch over from a music format to more of a sports format. They needed people. Um, and so I, I, I got like some occasional looks, weekend stuff uh, at CJCL in Toronto. I, I did not think I had arrived then. But about a year, a year and a half later, we went all sports. And uh, the program director at the time, Alan Davis, walked in and he said, we need talk show hosts. Congratulations. You're doing the 8 p.m. to midnight when we don't have a Blue Jay game or a Leaf game. Uh, this is before the Raptors. And I started doing my talk show, and then they went all sports about six months later, and they moved me from evenings to middays, and I was really enjoying it. But I thought I'd spend the rest of my life being a talk show host on, on talk radio uh, in Toronto. Um, eventually, I got to primetime sports when Bob McCown moved to the mornings, and, and I started feeling you know really good about my chances of having a viable career. And then within about... Uh, within a, few, a couple of the same couple of years, um, the Blue Jay job opened up on TSN at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, miraculously, I got that. And ESPN had heard me do some radio and had heard me do some play-by-play, and they called me. So the, those two things in 1995, I would say, were 
were, you know, you know, the biggest breaks I've ever gotten. There's no question, you know, getting a Blue Jay job and getting an ESPN job um, in about the same year uh, simultaneously were kind of the, I guess the ESPN one started a little bit earlier, actually, but um, those were the two biggest breaks I've ever gotten. Dan Schulman, why, uh, why the move to do Blue Jays full time? In you mean now or yeah now, now 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 yeah um, I, I think sentimentally I always thought uh, I wanted to finish where I started I'm a Toronto boy and have always lived here even for however many years I was full time uh, at ESPN um, I, I think it's just where I where I wanted to be I, I, I got remarried I have uh, I have three older boys I have a younger son as well my second marriage and I wanted to be home a little bit more and. If, if I was able to come back to Toronto and start doing the Blue Jays again, this felt like the job I, I knew I could retire with. So ESPN um, is, is not doing nearly as much baseball as they used to. I, I mean, I was doing Sunday Night Baseball. They still have that. But I, I, it just it just it was just kind of wanted to be home more and, and wanting to have, I think, more of an, uh, an emotional investment in the in the games I was covering. Uh, and, and just wanting to, you know, again, getting remarried was a was a big part of it. So. Um, it's fell right. When I came home, the first two years that I came back, 16 and 17, I think, I only did 30 games. I was still doing Sunday Night Baseball. Mm-hmm. Then now I'm not doing any ESPN Baseball anymore, and, you know, things change over the years. So uh, my numbers kind of, my game numbers kind of kept going up and up. But um, uh, it, it feels right. It's, it's, it's where I want to be. Well, and that's, uh, that's good. It's got to feel right. What do you like about calling baseball? Well, I've always loved baseball from the time I was a little kid. Like, uh, again, I told you I was a math major. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a little kid, you know, this back in the late 70s, I was one of those kids who played stratomatic baseball. And if I couldn't find anybody to play against, I'd make my dad or my sisters do it. And if they weren't around, I would just play both teams. Like, I didn't care. I, I just, I loved baseball. You know, there's that there's that math side of me that loves it. But I, I love the strategy. I love the nuance. I love the subtlety to it i've just always 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 loved baseball well i shouldn't say that from the, from the day the blue jays showed up april 7 77 hmm. i was 10 years old and that's like a day that changed my life um you know in the 70s enormous maple leaf fan like i, I didn't know anybody who loved the leafs more than i do i can still tell you all the daryl siller stats and all that stuff and i still love hockey and i easily could have you know landed in a hockey job i think it's just baseball was the door along with basketball that opened to me but um, I, I've loved baseball since I was a little kid. I you know, um, shared it with uh, you know my dad throughout his life. I've shared it with a couple of my sons who are really into baseball. We all love it. You know, we've done ballpark trips. I coached my son in rep baseball for years and years. It, it's just always been a huge part of our family. My buddy here, Sean Kleisiger, who lined this interview up, uh, big sports fan, my producer. He uh, before he had a kid, and he's finding this out. He doesn't have as much disposable income, but he use, he likes to go around the different ballparks, football stadiums. Is there an underrated ballpark we should know about that that's not you know like a Fenway or a Wrigley? What would you recommend for an underrated ballpark? Um, I, I don't even think it's underrated because. I think people know about it, but I don't know how many people have gone to it, but Pittsburgh is beautiful. Uh, PNC Park is beautiful. Uh, Petco Park uh, mm. in San Diego is beautiful. I, I'd say Pittsburgh and San Diego were the two that, that come to mind first. I think Seattle is great. 
I can't remember what they call it right now. But yeah, I think Seattle is yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. AT&T now, it used to be Safeco. I don't know. That's why I just say the cities. But um, Pittsburgh and San Diego, San Francisco is the best, the best, the best, the best. Wrigley and Fenway are in their whole other amazing category. And then I would say Pittsburgh, San Diego, and then maybe Seattle would be the next ones that come to mind. Okay, we got a couple more minutes with you, so we're going to try to squeeze in as much as we can. Once again, we thank Dan Schulman for joining us. If you could relive a broadcast to this point in your career, what would it be? Wow. Um, I would say, like, you mean because I want to do it better or I just want to experience how much fun it was? Just something maybe you were in that moment, but you didn't appreciate it. And now you're like, gee, I wish it could be in that moment again. That's a tough one. I've never been asked. That's a great question. I've never been asked that question. So I've been lucky enough to do, I did, I've done that, but I did 12 World Series on ESPN Radio. And that was incredibly fun. Um, and I would love to experience any one of those again, but maybe the 2016 one where the Cubs won the World Series. That's really cool, obviously, you know, the first time in, in 108 years. But I'll give you an off the uh, an, an outside-the-box answer. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody but family and friends remembers this, but in 1994, I was the number two voice, play-by-play voice, for Olympic hockey on CTV. Um, wow. CBC, CBC always did the Olympics, as they still do, but... In 92 and 94, CTV did it, and they just didn't have a stable of announcers. And incredibly, uh, somebody asked me to do play-by-play hockey. John Shannon asked me to do play-by-play hockey at the Olympics. Don Chevrier was the number one voice. He did all the Canada games. Mm-hmm. I did all the non-Canada games. Um, and I was 27 years old, way out over my skis, having the time of my life, couldn't believe I was there. Um, and I'm not sure I fully appreciated how cool an experience it was to be in Lillehammer, Norway, calling hockey on for the Olympics, um, you know, from coast to coast. So that was incredibly, incredibly special, and I, I'd love to go back in time and relive that. What a great story, Dan! I just re- I just finished watching the uh, Dick Vitale biography about him fighting cancer and how he came up. You work with Dick Vitale. Is he really like that? Like, what is he like? Yeah. He's every bit like that and then some. So um, he's been wonderful to me. We've worked together. We don't work together as much anymore. He's mm-hmm. kind of cut. He's 83 years old now, right. right? So he's cut back a little bit. I do three or four games a year with him now. But for about 15 years, we did 30, 35 games a year together. And he's been wonderful to me and my family. Helped me a lot. We, I, I thought, you know, some guys you just feel like, hey, this works. We've got the chemistry on the air. And he and I always had that. And He's like that, you know, crazy uncle that you love. You never know what he's going to say next, and <laughs> you just hope you just hope you get out of it with your career intact, right? But um, you know, he's beloved, obviously, um, within the industry and, and beyond. Everybody, people can do impersonations of him who may not even know his name, right? Like non basketball mm-hmm. fans may subconsciously do impersonations of him, um, but he's he's great. He, he did the first ever game on ESPN. In 1979, the first ever college basketball game he did. Yeah. I think it was Marquette and DePaul, and he's still going strong 44 years later. And, and I did a game with him last week, and he said what he says on the air. Every time we do a game, he says, Danny, I'm going to do a game when I'm 100, and I want you sitting beside me. And, and so that's the, uh, that's now, the goal. I'd be, that's the goal. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a heck of a goal. 
I'm not sure I want to work into my 70s, but if, if, if he wants to do a game when he's 100, I'll sit beside You could do a one-off. Okay, you got about 90 yeah. seconds. My way-too-early World Series prediction, I did it a couple weeks ago. I got the Padres, my favorite team, against the Blue Jays. I don't know if I'm asking you for a way-too-early prediction, but how do you feel about the Jays this year? I really like what they've done, to be honest with you. I, I've always been in the camp of, I know the lineup's good, but I think they're, they get shut down too often. I think they pile up some numbers against bad pitching sometimes. And, yeah, they average five runs a game, whatever it is. But there are too many games where they just get shut down. And, and I think they needed more balance in their lineup. And I think they've gotten it with uh, Varsho, Belt, and Kiermaier, three left-handed batters. Not all of them will play every day, obviously. But, you know, they'll, they'll get some at-bats. I like that. They're much, much, much better defensively in the outfield. Uh, left, center, and right, all the way across. I think they're going to be better. The bullpen is deeper with the addition of Swanson from Seattle. I think there's one more bat coming, maybe a platoon outfielder or a right-handed batter or a switch hitter, somebody who hits lefties well. You know, it, it's not just about accumulating talent in numbers. The pieces of the puzzle have to fit together. And I was always one of those guys who said, I don't think the pieces fit together that well. Too, many, too much sameness in the lineup. And if a pitcher gets in a groove, too easy for him to just keep mowing them down. I know the moves may not be universally liked or the sexiest moves in the world, but I think I think they saw they'd gone about as far as they could go with what they had. And Vladdy and Bo have three years until they're free agents, and I think they made some really strong moves to help make them a better team. Tell you what, man, I've been doing this almost 27 years, and this has been a real treat, a kind of a, a highlight for me. Thanks for your time, Dan. I look forward to your work on the TV full-time with the Jays. Take care, my friend. All right, appreciate that. Have a good night. That's Dan Schulman, uh, the TV voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage after the 4 o'clock news on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. Brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Arash, before we unpack your miserable Vikings and my miserable Chargers, I just had your colleague Dan Showman on, and I think we need to point out something. The entire Blue Jays broadcast, they're not my favorite team. I, I watch them. I, I casually cheer for them. You know I like the Padres, but I think we need to point out that I think Rogers Sportsnet does a great job of their Blue Jays broadcast. The, the entire crew is good. One of the best anywhere, regionally or nationally. So, kudos. You're a part of that. But just your thoughts on Dan Schulman. Man, what a professional broadcaster he is. Yeah, and, and I will, I've will. i said this before, Ballsy, and I, and I truly believe it. Because I'm, I'm one of the few in this country who truly likes college basketball, too. Like, Saturday afternoon. Yep. I was watching Tennessee, Kentucky. Shulman and Billis were on the call. And I believe that, and, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder when you talk about broadcasting and whatever. There's not a better sports broadcaster, you know, game caller, announcer, play-by-play announcer on earth than Dan. Like, you know, you could say Joe Buck and Al Michaels and whatever, and you may not be um, right. You're certainly not wrong. But they're right there in the conversation, but, but so is Dan. 
He's done World Series. He's done major events and smooth, in-command storytelling and knows the moment and delivers in the moment unlike anybody. Yeah, it's a very, that's a very good point. I also like uh, Don Orsillo, who used to be the Red Sox, now the Padres announcer. He and uh, sure. he and uh, his color commentator, they have a great uh, time. Is it uh, Mark Grant, I believe? Ma- Mark Bud- uh, Mud Dog Grant. They have a great time. I like guys that tell the game, but have fun in the booth. All right, let's get totally. to let's get to the debacle that was the NFL playoffs. Let's start with my team. In typical Charger fashion, not only do they Charger on the field. By the way, my phone was blowing up, but I knew they'd blow it because I've watched this since 1981. It's the same movie, but just you know, different ways to get there. But they also Charger in the off season. How doesn't Brandon Staley get fired? Well, I'll tell you why. Spanos is cheap, and there was no way Sean Payton was going to come in. He wasn't going to give control of his team up. But they did sacrifice their offensive staff. But I, I, I tell you what, I don't think just because you change the offensive coaches, you can get over that hump. I really think it's just going to be the same old thing next year for the Chargers. So you okay? So you sacrifice the offensive staff because of what happened Saturday night, Balti? Is that what you think? Well, it's more than it's it's more than that because he they didn't have they they had a really underperforming offense, but they didn't have a left tackle for a lot of the year. The receivers, the two big guys, they paid a hundred million dollars combined. Two weren't on the field a lot, so uh, I I you know it's it's one of those things, right? So I, I fundamentally believe this. And I believed it at 28-3 when Atlanta led New England in the Super Bowl. I believed it at 33 nothing when the Colts led my Vikings this regular season. And I believed it at 27 nothing when your Chargers took the lead. At those points in games, especially when you're talking about the second half, the opponent for the Chargers and the Falcons and the Colts was not, you know, the, the opponent Saturday night was not Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. For the Chargers, the opponent was the clock, and it was a complete mismanagement of how to handle the situation. Situational football is not just the last two or three minutes. It's not just the last five minutes. It's when you are leading by four scores and you're in a playoff game, how are we going to manage this? Throwing three straight incomplete passes and taking 22 seconds off the clock is not smart situational football. And Brandon Staley just continued to operate as if it was 0-0 or 7-0 or 7-3, and that's what cost the Chargers the game. That and they ran a jet sweep from their own 30-some yard line with three minutes to go in the first half where you're leading 27 to nothing with a practice roster receiver. You don't, you just don't, yeah, like, you just don't do that. This is not the stage where you have to show everybody how big your playbook is and how smart you yeah. are. Speaking of Being si- the smartest guy in the room reveals yourself to be the exact opposite. Now, before we get to the guy that you have no love for and situational football, I don't watch a lot of Vikings football. Okay, like I don't, I don't. Uh-huh. That's um, and lucky you. <laughs> well, let's be honest. No two fan bases let their teams down more in the NFL than the Vikings and the Chargers. I think we're tied there. Right. And until last night, it was the Cowboys. But I will tell you this: I didn't realize. I didn't really realize how bad the Vikings' defense is. It's bad. Yes, and it has been all season, and that hasn't changed. And they have a good front. 
You know, Daniil Hunter is one of the premier pass rushers in the league, but their defensive tackles are suspect. They have not really addressed the linebacker position. The corners are non-existent, and they have one good safety. And yeah. a lot of the issues that had plagued Minnesota for a lot of the season on the defensive side of the ball showed up. Well, the one area mm-hmm. that nobody had on the bingo card, Ballsy, was Daniel Jones rushing for almost 80 yards. Quarter, but design quarterback runs. Well, but there's the difference. Back to my team. They had a chance to get Brian Dable out of Buffalo and decided to go with Brandon Staley. And look what Brian Dable did with Daniel Jones, who I don't think anybody thought would get to the playoffs, let alone win a playoff game, even against the Vikings. He is the coach of the year. Does he have the magic? Does he have the magic to beat the Eagles? Maybe. Maybe. Like I, It's funny. You come into this weekend and nobody's talking about Philadelphia. Like, they're the best team in the NFC, wire to wire. Yeah. They got the bye. They have a home playoff game. But all the conversation, and understandably, I mean, it's a great story. It's about Brock Purdy and what San Francisco is doing. It's about Dallas being in the darling media market and finally getting over the hump and getting into the divisional playoff. And it's about this Giants team. And don't forget, Dable also is a you know, he was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo for, what, three, four years? Instrumental in the development of Josh Allen, too. No one's talking about Jalen Hurts. Nobody's talking about the Eagles. And if you just go back a couple of weeks, Ballsy, week 18, the Giants went toe-to-toe with Philly when the Eagles had everything to play for. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Uh, classic one down. Let's get, before we get to the other ones, let's get to your guy, Kirk Cousins. Um Listen, he had a, statistically had a pretty good year. I think there are a lot of quarterbacks worse than Kirk Cousins, but when it's fourth and, when it's fourth and eight and your season's on the line with a tight end in man coverage, you can't check it down there. That's a rookie mistake. And on third and eight, the snap before that, he missed KJ Osborne throwing it to the wrong shoulder and the pass got broken up. If he nailed him on target, it's a first down. The play goes on. Well, see, Kirk Cousins is now one in four in playoff games. Kirk Cousins is one of the wealthiest players in the NFL. Kirk Cousins. And this guy just has nothing to show for it other than some regular season success. Mm-hmm. Period. Hey, um, You don't win with him. No, but they're stuck with him. He's not a free agent, is he? I think they still got him under contract. One right? more. Yeah, they one. re-upped him for yeah, one more. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about last night's game. Do you think that's Tom? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's Tom Brady's last game? And if not, where's he playing next year? I think Tom Brady is done in Tampa Bay. I have a hard time believing he's done with football, even with three hundred or so million dollars waiting for him to go into the Fox booth. I think after some time, and he's going to need some time, you know. He had a dreadful season. All the family stuff, all the off the field stuff. The divorce. I have to believe, Ballsy, there's going to be at least three teams interested in the services. And the question becomes, in his heart of hearts, does Tom Brady think he can perform at a high level? Because if you watch the Buccaneers this season, Mm -hmm. and last night was emblematic of it, Tom Brady is a shell of himself. If you if you watch that film in black and white and took the names and logos and numbers off the jerseys and just evaluated the quarterback play, 
it would be bottom third in the league. He looks forty five. And is this the yeah, is this the way Tom wants to go out? Yeah. That's up to him. I, I don't think any of us really know. Um just before we wrap up the NFL talk and take a break, I you know what? I don't I hate to say this, but I if I'm I was impressed with San Francisco, but I think along with my buddy Sean Kleisiger here, there's gonna come a time where Brock Purdy has to make some plays to win a game. I Dallas won for the first time in 30 years on the road in the playoffs. I think they're going to put two in a row together. I think right now, if I had to put money on it, they're going to beat San Francisco next week. I just wonder about Dallas's offensive line. San Francisco's strength is their defense. You know, what's the answer for Nick Bosa? What's the answer for Eric Armstead? The Niners' secondary is a little suspect right now, and Dak, you know, Dak at a high level is hard to beat. But I don't know how much time Dak is going to get with a banged-up offensive line and a fierce San Fran pass rush. Yeah, um, and I really, uh, you know, Josh Allen can make plays, but he's getting sloppy. Mm-hmm. Without Dable, he's become very sloppy with the football. Yeah, and I wonder how much of it is forcing, excuse me, forcing something that's not there. I wonder how much of it is you know, really outside of Singletary, they don't have much of a run game. Look, Josh Allen has weapons now, Ballsy. You know, Stephon Diggs is elite. Gabe Davis can still make plays. Dawson Knox is among the better pass-catching tight ends in the league. On and on we can go. My question with Buffalo is this. This offseason, after the Rams went and won the Super Bowl, remember what L.A. did at the trade deadline last year? They went and got Von Miller from Denver, and he changed their defense. Mm-hmm. What Buffalo do? They gave the farm to Von and said, we want you to come in and do to our defense what you did to the Rams' defense last year, complimenting Aaron Donald and the rest. Mm-hmm. Well, U.S. Thanksgiving weekend against, against uh, Detroit, Von Miller goes down with an ACL. And that Buffalo defense that already is without a couple of key pieces – really hasn't looked the same since. Against Joe Burrow, against a Cincinnati offense that can ignite with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and the rest, will the loss of Vaughn Miller really catch up with the Bills? To me, that's the question going into Sunday. And three injured Bengals offensive linemen on the other side. When we come back, let's uh, talk about Nathan Rourke going to the Jags and if Arash likes it, and uh, much, much more. This is the Sports Cage, and this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Second and ten, Prescott protected, end zone, caught, touchdown, Dalton Schultz, Prescott, touchdown, Prescott, end zone, touchdown, Dallas, Schultz is second of the night, Prescott keeps, and that is caught for a touchdown, I'm not so sure Gallup wasn't out of bounds prior to that, in the field to play with two feet down, it is a touchdown, good protection, and the pass wide open, touchdown Lamb, a total breakdown in coverage, and Dak Prescott has had a fantastic night. One of the greatest playoff performances by a quarterback in Dallas Cowboys franchise history, leading the boys to a dominant 31-14 wildcard win over Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night. Prescott threw for four touchdowns and ran for a fifth score, and that's something that had never been done by a Cowboy, not by Roger Staubach, not by Troy Aikman. So when also Monday night was the Cowboys' first 
first road playoff win since 1992 when they beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And the Cowboys will now travel to San Francisco for the NFC Divisional Playoff on Sunday. Dak Prescott, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick's Service and Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Time to continue our chat with Arash Madani on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast. Western Pizza, it's coast to coast for Brian Golly and Smart Investing Solutions. Initially, I'm like, what is Nathan Rourke doing, who, by the way, joins us after 5 o'clock here on the show? What is he doing joining the Jacksonville Jags? But then I think Henry Burris. Then I think Mike McCoy, the former Stampeder. Quarterback friendly uh, coach and Doug Peterson. I think that's a pretty good landing spot for him, actually. Not just that, Balti. Trevor Lawrence is on a rookie contract. They don't really have a backup quarterback. CJ Beathard is their backup quarterback. Nathan Rourke is going to go in there with a legitimate chance to compete for the backup QB job. And I don't know what his guaranteed money was to go there, but you have to believe it's significant significant enough that he's going to turn down, you know, five to 100,000 from the Lions. But A, you know who the franchise quarterback is in Jacksonville, right? It's Trevor Lawrence's team. But on a rookie deal, the quarterback room isn't taking up a ton of the cap space. It's not like it's, you know, you just heard Dak Prescott, you know, Prescott taking up almost $40 million or Cousins taking up $40 million or Derek Carr, wherever he lands, or Russell Wilson or on and on it can go. Mm -hmm. Here's a scenario where Nathan Rourke's going to get a chance to get meaningful reps in training camp and in the offseason, meaningful reps in practice. And if anything happens to Trevor Lawrence, he's got a real shot. The Jags aren't going to go draft a quarterback now. They have their guy. They just won a playoff game, as we talked about. Just won the division. They have their franchise quarterback. So the Jags aren't in a position where they're going to go sign somebody over Nathan Rourke or draft somebody over Nathan Rourke. That quarterback room is set. I think it's an outstanding landing spot for him. I was uh, of the belief that it's a two-horse race for Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, Hamilton, and Saskatchewan. I still think that is probably the way it's going to go, although the BC Lions would have to kick tires now, wouldn't they? I don't see BC investing 500000 into Bo. Even 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 with the even with the need to sell tickets, because no disrespect to Vernon Adams or if they add a Cody Fajardo, that's not picking up on the momentum that Amar Doman and Nathan Rourke had going there. I I mean this sincerely. I don't think there's a player of any position, let alone a franchise quarterback, that's gonna sell any tickets in Vancouver other than Nathan Rourke. Like if, if Amar Doman puts people in the seats next season again, the way they did at the end of last year. It's because of a grassroots marketing campaign for people to come watch the BC Lions. Mm-hmm. Bo Levi in Vancouver, in the lower mainland, in the province of British Columbia, is not moving the needle. Mike Riley didn't move the needle. Travis Lule didn't move the needle until they won. And then it disappeared again. Um, Doug Flutie, Doug Flutie, Doug Flutie didn't really move the needle either in '91. There you go, there you go. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I don't see Bo being the catalyst to, you know, selling an extra five, seven, eight thousand seats per game. This, uh, I want a quick comment. We got about two minutes left. This speaks to what the problem is with the CFL. I'm not going to name the teams, but Zinger and I have tried to line up. We're trying to create this to be the beacon, uh, the beacon, the shining light to promote CFL football here on the, on the cage. Sure. Okay. Not too many people talk CFL football in the country. We reached out to two teams about getting their players on, not rider players, their players on. And they basically, uh, basically said, nope, we aren't doing any interviews right now. Check, check in with us closer to training camp. There's your problem with the CFL. It's not the game. It's not the rules. It's not, oh, we should go four downs, the rouge. It's the fact we don't want to promote our game. That's embarrassing to me. Ballsy, I, uh, my colleague, Donovan Bennett, who's got a terrific uh, radio show podcast in Toronto on 590, he had Randy Ambrosi on yesterday, today, something like that. And DJ asked the commissioner, a simple question. What, what's the strength of the CFL right now? And do you know what Ambrosi's answer was? Nope. Not the Canadian talent, not the fact that we finally have stable ownership in Vancouver, not the fact that we have better talent in, our, in this league than, than maybe ever before. He said the strength of our league is our collaboration. I, I don't even know what to say sometimes. Why wouldn't you want to promote your product on shows like the Sports Cage in January where nobody's talking about your league? What do you mean the strength of your league is collaboration? Why are we continuing to just change directions as the wind blows from Mexico to the Globals to the XFL? To Balls, you and I have talked about this for a long time. You have success in this league selling tickets two by two, getting grassroots interest, trying to get some miracle shot in the arm, some Hail Mary pass to be caught is not going to cut it. And over and over again, it seems like that's what this league just continues to try to do. I will give a shout out quickly to the Argonauts. Whenever I call them, they answer and they get me who I want, like Chad Kelly tomorrow, uh, Jim Kelly's nephew. He's coming on, like boom, just like that. So we can uh, we can get on the Argos, but uh, they're they're a commu- communications guy, Chris and Mike Hogan, doing a great job. Thanks for your time, Arash. I appreciate it. Hey, Bozzy, thanks, and congrats on getting Nathan Rourke for an interview. That's a great get. Yeah, you know what? As you would know, being the the professional you are, it's about cultivating relationships. I seeded this relationship about five years ago when nobody was on the Nathan Rourke train, and it's coming to fruition. It's pretty good. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bozzy. All right, we'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. 32 with your sports ticker, and here's an update, a medical update on Buccaneers wide receiver Russell Gage Jr. After suffering a neck injury and concussion during the fourth quarter of last night's game, Russell was taken to a local hospital where he remained overnight for additional testing and observation. Russell has had movement in all extremities and will continue to undergo additional testing throughout the day today. And uh, this is from the Buccaneers. They say we will provide additional information as it becomes available. 
that's their concern at the league level, that we're having good Canadians decide to do something else than play football. Yeah, there is concern. Uh, and that's one of the things we addressed at the league meetings in Kananaskis this last week was, how can we recruit and maintain good football players? So it had to do with recruiting down south in the U.S., especially with with these other leagues coming up, coming about the XFL, the USFL, and then how can we keep these players um, once we do get them, Canadian and American? And I think the bottom line is, is still salary. You know, it's still salary. We, we got to pay them a competitive salary so they don't choose to go work at the hardware store as opposed to being on the team, or they don't choose to go, you know, work for the father's company and they stay with us. So I think salaries are still the big issue. And then the other thing is I think you just got to do the best you can to involve them in the community because when they're tied into the community uh, and have a a sense of, you know, belonging within the community, I think they're going to stick with you a little bit longer. But but it's a concern, Michael. I'm not going to lie to you. And the reality is until we can pay them more, you're going to see good football players decide to do something else. We can talk about all the quarterbacking options we want, but you're probably going to be focused big time on the interior or the both lines, right? Absolutely. I, I, I've always been a big believer in that. This last year taught me that again. Reinforced what I've always thought, but, but slapped me in the face with it. You better be good up front. You better be able to protect your quarterback and run the football, and you better be able to get after the other guys. So that's going to be the focus, Michael, like always, and uh, maybe even more so this year than in other years past. And lastly, any closer to getting a receivers coach, a D-line coach, speaking of lines? Yes, yes. We're down to we're down to the short strokes, so to speak, here on this paint this painting. We've got some good candidates. Uh, it's down to about three on the defensive line and about four on the receiver's job. And now we're going to get um, the coordinators involved a little bit more, Coach Shies and, and Kelly, to visit with them. And then we'll just start talking numbers at some point. But we're really close to, to getting a guy. I would anticipate in the next two weeks, you know, we certainly want to have a guy in place by the end of the month. So, and you had mentioned this a long time ago that you were wondering if it would be a concern or it is a concern. You wonder if it would be a factor. Has it been a factor when you're interviewing all these people about the fact you have, like you're in the last year of your deal? Or does that even really factor in anymore? Because football is a here today, gone tomorrow type thing anyway. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think it factors in a lot. I really don't. I mean, I think, I think people that follow the league and follow... Our situation, no, we've got to win this year. But they also know that every year you've got to win. So, it's I mean, it's one thing coming in with a new staff. I think i think that's, that's always an advantage because you usually get two or three years if you're the, the new staff, you know. And, and But most of these assistants are on one-year contracts anyway. So, I haven't found it to be much of a factor. I really haven't, Mike. And if it is, they're not telling us. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Let's talk hockey with NHL broadcaster Peter Labardius. Nobody knows the game at all levels like Peter. From the Regina Pats broadcast booth to being a leading voice on Calgary Flames Radio, this is Peter's Puck. All right, let's uh, head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. Great time to order Western Pizza. Peter, thanks for joining us. So, UC Soros stands on his head yesterday. Again, 21 saves in the third, 38 for the game. A little bit of an undersized goalie, I think. What, what, you know, where does he rank in terms of net miners in this league, in your opinion? 
probably if you take a look at the body of his work and, you know, it's really only been Michael the last couple of years where he's assumed the number one role there after the great run by Pecorine and his long, great career in Nashville. I would say he's in the top 10 for me or pushing the top 10. He's quite a story. It's not easy to be six feet tall and prosper at many levels in goal in this day and age in the sport that likens itself to goalies that cover way more of the net and are very athletic at the same time at 6'2", 6'3", or larger. So he's highly intelligent. Um, came into last night, I think, with a save percentage of oh, 9-12, and uh, didn't have to be great in the first two periods, but certainly was at his best, and he's always played well against Calgary. He's Seven one and one now lifetime against the Flames. How do you feel about the Flames net mining with Markstrom and Vladar, who actually has been uh, pretty good for you guys? Well, I think it's been fine. It's when you have a year like Jacob had last year, and especially at the start of last season, where it was like every second game he was shutting out an opponent. You know, you, you set an incredibly high bar. I mean, he was second in Vesna Trophy voting. Um, you know, really, really good in round one. Not so good against your group in round two. And I think he's put a lot of pressure on himself. It's, you know, it's been an odd year. And we talked about it a lot the last time you had me on. Is expe- expectations have, I think, played a significant role in, in both Calgary and Edmonton this year for for certain players and certain people. Um, you know, Jack Campbell looks like he's starting to finally find his way in Edmonton. Um, Jacob, I thought, was excellent last night. And, and for the most part, I think he's played pretty well. Pretty well. Um, and as I said on an R show last night, would it be so bad if some of your struggles came early and you're absolutely lights out from after the break till the end of the playoffs, there'd be nothing the matter with that. But, you know, it's it's a good duo, and not unlike Stuart Skinner, who's been excellent in Edmonton, Daniel Vladar, who's not played as much as Stuart, um, has given this team quality effort after quality effort. Uh, I want to uh, point something out. Mr. Clem Costin of the Edmonton Oilers, former first-round pick of the St. Louis Blues, has, Louis Blues. has nine goals. Jonathan Huberto has eight. What is going on with Mr. Yes. Huberto in Calgary? I don't know if you've asked me this one before. I don't I'd, think, I'd I, like I, don't think I have. I, I, this one is not simple. So I'll give you the answer that I give everybody else, of course, that asks. So, Michael, any way you want to slice or dice it, now I know he's got a brand new deal that kicks in next year, and he's on a pretty good team. Jonathan Huberto coming out of his best season in the only franchise he's ever played for was fired. You can call it whatever you want. 
the Florida Panthers decided that they could potentially be better without him. If you have ever been fired from a dream situation, it can take a lot of time for you to feel comfortable and get over it, get past it. And so, and I don't think the marriage has necessarily been easy going from Florida to Daryl Sutter and how he deals with people and individuals. That's been a big change. The style that he's had to learn how to play has been a big change. This truly may be one of those situations where it may take the full season and an off season for a reset. These are still people. Don't forget that. And when you've known one organization and you busted your tail and you had 115 points and somebody comes along and says, you know what? We can find a reason where we think that we can replace you with somebody different and better. I don't care who you are. You don't get over that overnight. And I don't care what the salary is and I don't care what the situation is. And on top of that, when it doesn't start the way you want it to, you're mad, you're pissed off, you're angry, it doesn't make any sense, and most of the time you're probably trying too hard and getting away from a lot of things that you do best. I'll tell you what. It's not about, it's not about me, this conversation, but I might have a reason or two to maybe understand <laughs> I was, I was, was going to say, Lou, you've been through the broadcasting war, so you know absolutely uh, what you're talking about. I, I've said long for a long time, that guy, Peter Lubardius, should be uh, calling games nationally. Hey, man, we're short on time. Thanks for your time. That's a good way to put it. We Sometimes we forget these guys aren't robots, and we look at their check automatically, and I'm guilty of it too, thinking, hey, this guy's making X amount of dollars. Look how little cost making this guy should be uh this guy should be a uh, lighten it up but hey like you said could take a year for it to happen still a good hockey player and you're an excellent broadcaster thanks for your time pete thanks pal have a great day peter lubardi is joining us for a rousing edition of peter's puck when we come back we're gonna speak with a sports psychologist dr rob bell real interesting guest here on the sports cage on 620 ckrm the kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show on this Tuesday, brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline, and we're talking with a well-known sports psychology coach, uh, you know, he mentors professional and uh, corporate athletes and coaches. His name is Dr. Rob Bell out of Indianapolis. How are you today, my friend? Good, Mike. Thanks so much for having me, bud. Appreciate you being on, man. Yeah, and it's it was nice. We we saw an example of a guy clearing a mental hurdle. Uh, it was Dak Prescott beating the goat. The Cowboys had never beaten Tom Brady. He was seven and zero, but Dak played out of his mind yesterday. And we know that. Uh, that uh, quarterback position is uh, more mental than physical in a lot of cases. 
Well, we have to we have to start with the Cowboys. I say, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, no, no worries. No, it is, man. It's and, and especially you know coming off probably his worst game of the season as well, and and that's what mental toughness is really all about. It, it's not always about these peak performances. It's about you know really having a good crappy day, right? Like how do you not let the highs get too high, but not let the lows get too low, but be able to stay in that range of of doing your best, so you're giving yourself a shot, you know, when it matters the most. And he did a really good job of that. You know, that's a good way of putting it, having a good, crappy day. I hear this all the time in sports. Tough. Tough. I want my players to be tough. Well, that's not necessarily physically tough all the time, depending on what sport you're playing. But what does it mean to you, Rob Bell, to be tough? I think a lot of times, I mean, obviously the will, the drive, that kind of has to be there. There's a hierarchy of mental toughness, you know, that motivation. But that's where most people stop. I think it really comes down to the ability to let go of mistakes, especially when you're in competition. Um, how are you able to just simply move on from that mistake and not let it influence your approach, your behavior, your attitude towards the towards the next play and and then it you know transfers into you know how do you let go of that last game and and not let it transfer in the next game and that's the part that i see is the best are able to to move on and let it go is there like a, a maybe a don't of mental toughness you should never do this as it relates to mental toughness do you have a philosophy on that <laughs> well one of the things i mean one of the most classic don'ts is you never say what you don't want to have happen so if you're saying, you know, you know, I, I don't want to miss this shot, I don't want to strike out, well, what, what, what you're really doing is you're introducing exactly what you don't want to have happen into the mind, and now you have to play mental gymnastics to try and overcome that. The best strategy is just tell yourself what, you're, what you want to do. You know, I want to hit the ball hard. You know, I want to be able to have a good shot here. And uh, I always say, you know, we need to be telling ourselves rather than listening to ourselves. I think too often – you know, we're listening to that negative voice when we need to be telling ourselves in that moment what it is that we're going to do. You know, I, I've been watching some of your stuff online, and we'll get to that where people can find you a, a little later on. But I'd like you to reiterate for my listeners here on the Sports Cage. You know, Herm Edwards has that famous saying, we play to win the game. And that's one that gets replayed over and over again. But you preach the process over the product. And you told a, a kind of a nice it actually uh, made me think about it deeply. What Brett Favre said when he won the championship in 1996. Can you reiterate that for my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. And when I'm uh, keynote speaking, it's one of the parts I really share. I mean, he holds up the Super Bowl trophy. And, and again, I mean, it's not with everybody. You're going to admit, like, winning the Super Bowl has got to be the best feeling in the world. But he also said, was that it? <laughs> and then it was really intriguing. You see, is that it? Well, what else could there be? And that, and that was why the reason why he said that in that moment, even though it was such a great feeling, he didn't quite know what to feel. And he loved the game so much, as many people do, is he just didn't want it to end. He reflected on the Week 10 comeback when they came back, when they're down 21-10, they came back to win. He kind of reflected on the practical jokes on, on coach, the bus rides, the locker room, and he just didn't want it to end. That's how much he loved it. And if you go back and you look, like Joe Gibbs said, look, it's not so much about having got it as it is about the adversity and struggle that you have to overcome in order to get it. And what we see, and this is 
proof, and this is the part that draws my ire in life, is what we're going to see is whoever wins this next Super Bowl, they, immediately the media is going to come out and say, well, can they do it again? Or where do they rank in the legacy of all the best of all time? And that's before the confetti is even scooped off the, the field. And so we have to fall in love with that process and that product, and it takes nothing away from the product. Like winning is great. Winning is the feeling that we want. But it, and it takes nothing away, but that's how important that process is because it's always we're going to be on to the next before we know it. So we have to be enjoying that process, good and bad. Yeah, so Dr. Bell, how do you uh, train athletes or even corporate people who are in the corporate world and we can take a lot from the sports field into the business world? How do you how do you train or help those people just appreciate things in the moment. Cause you hear that a lot of times. You know, hey, I won, I won the Super Bowl. I won the Grey Cup here in Canada. I won the Stanley Cup. And now, uh, I'm on to free agency or I'm on to this or that instead of just relaxing and enjoying what you did. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I think we have to approach time. And, and that was part of like my next book as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to look at time. The good times don't last, but that also means the bad times can't last either. And we have to use the time to our advantage and soak up. Look, there are going to be bad times, but they don't last. And so since the good times aren't going to last either, it's just about going in with the mindset of maximizing and getting the most out of each and every day that we have because we really do not know. We live on a clock with no hands. And once we have kids, right, that clock grows legs. It moves faster and faster. And then it's sort of the supply-demand of time. When we're young, we have all the supply in the world, very little demand. Now that we get older, now we have uh, a lot higher demand and very little supply. And so that alone, it's just going with the mindset of being able to appreciate that no matter how bad a situation is, this too shall pass. No matter how good the situation that we're going in, this too shall pass. Because we can't we can't stay on the mountaintop of, of success, so we have to come back down. So it's, it's just really balancing that and – I think it's heading in with the mindset of knowing time is our advantage. It's not an enemy. How do we maximize that? It's a good point, man. Time management. So for volunteer coaches, you know, in Canada, here we are a lot listening to this show. What kind of tips would you give in terms of using sports psychology to coach, you know, your own kids, coach other parents' kids, or just, you know, kids in high school, things like that? Absolutely. I mean, I think the best thing is, you know, with with coaches, it's the most important job. And any anyone that's coaching, they plant trees that they're never going to see. You have no idea the impact that a coach can make in somebody's life. But I can almost guarantee you that some of these coaches, they're the most important person in somebody's life. And the way that I always see it is we have to keep building confidence in those individuals, knowing that, look, it might not pay off next week. It might not even pay off this season. But you instilling the confidence – and belief in them is really just communicating that when you stay in it, that you will be successful. We just don't know when that's going to happen, but instilling the confidence in that kid at any level, that is what's going to last way beyond when sport is over. And that's the skills that, and that's why I'm so always geeked up about sport, right? Is is Mm. the confidence, the communication, the leadership, all these skills last way beyond when the sport's going to be over. Are we doing that 
actively as coaches. And that's where I look at the confidence and helping instill that belief in the kids. It'd be so important. Let's whet their appetite before we tell them where they can find you. Is there one thing or a couple of basic things for an athlete, even a coach, somebody in just the everyday life to build mental toughness? Is there kind of one baseline thing you teach to start? (laughs) That's a great question. It's a great question. I always say this, you have to know your why. Your why has to make you cry. If it doesn't, it's not your why. It's not deep enough. You have to figure out, and if you look at any kind of athlete, they're going to be crying if they win because they realize how hard they worked for it. And if they lose, they're crying because they realize how painful it is and how much they put into it. But either way, you're crying. That's where you got to start. You have to start with your why. We ask ourselves that all the time. Why am I out here? Why am I doing this? That's a question that needs to be answered before we're in that environment, and that's where we need to always start with. All right, uh, Dr. Rob Bell in Indianapolis, uh, where can they find your stuff? I know you're an author of seven mental toughness books. Is there one recently you put out, and uh, where can they get more information on you? Well, I appreciate that, man. The next book's coming out this spring. It's called I Can't Wait to Be Patient. <laughs> and uh, they can yeah, they can find me on uh, you know social media. It's just at Dr. Rob Bell or my website. It's uh, drrobbell.com. Thanks for your time, man. I look forward to talking to you down the road. You're an interesting guest. All right. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. All right. So uh, thanks to Rob Bell. We're going to have him on. I love the when you hear words like toughness and culture and adversity. I like having guys on. That's their field. Hey, let's get to our text line. And we haven't addressed any zinger. 936-6262. What do you got? We're going to flash back to earlier in the show. Yeah. Tommy John and Davidson says two CFL teams declined to come on the show. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous, says mm-hmm. Tommy John. Come on, CFL, do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul's on the text line says, Paul here from Regina. You are so right about talking CFL. You guys got to talk, talk, talk. Your radio show needs to be on a national broadcast. Keep up the great work. So big thank you, Well, they you to can Paul. check us out in podcast form yeah. anywhere in Nashland. People are doing that. Yeah. Connie says, uh, and therein lies the problem with the CFL. They don't realize it's a year-round business or how to create additional content for promotion. Might as well go back uh, to blackout games with the way uh, with that way of thinking. Well, that's so right. That's, you, that's what we've talked yeah. about. Our game is great. Uh, make up all the rule changes you want. Our game is more exciting. It is. But they have it down to a science in terms of promotion, streaming, how they do the product at the field. You got to throw a party and then people stay for the game. You got to make them want to go to the party. So that's how you do it. You promote, you make these guys stars. Like, I, uh, he, th- this player's not up to doing an interview. Okay. Can we have this player? No, we're not doing any interviews till closer to training camp. Hey, uh, X team. That was Y team. Hey, X team. You, no, we're not doing that till closer to really. Okay. Gee, I wonder why nobody wants to, uh, go to the games. And we have another one here. Uh, Tommy says, uh, that interview with Dan Shulman was amazing. Thanks. Period. No, it was amazing. We had Dan Shulman on. We had Peter Lubardius, Arash Madani, and next, Nathan Rourke. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the Sports Cage just after 5 o'clock. Got a big interview here now. This guy was supposed to join us yesterday. By the way, I should tell you, the show 
catching on, man. This show is catching on. What do you think of it? 936-6262, the number to text or call locally, one 866 We just had our faithful listener, Jim, call in. He's loving our guests. Loved Dan Shulman. Loved uh, Rob Bell, our sports psychologist who works with a lot of NFL, Major League Baseball players. He's going to be a regular contributor. I did promise a new show, which we have in a time slot of 3 to 6, and new contributors. So keep that in mind. I also want to thank my buddy Sean Kleisinger. He's a key part behind the scenes. He'd be like my OC or my DC telling me what's going on. Um, but yeah, this guy was supposed to join us yesterday on the Western Pizza Hotline. But, uh, you know, things come up when you sign on as an NFL quarterback. So we do have him here on this Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for sport culture and recreation groups, 12,000 plus in the province. It is Canadian quarterback, former BC Lion, and current Jacksonville Jaguar, Nathan Rourke. All right, here with stand-up guy Nathan Rourke of the Jacksonville Jags. That must have a nice ring to it. Yeah, definitely definitely still new, so I'm still getting used to it. It's a little bit surreal, hasn't sunk in, but certainly uh, pretty cool when you say it, so... Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Having me on, Michael. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you too, man. Face of the CFL, you really turn this league on its uh, on its ear, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the interview. But what about Jacksonville and the Jags' offer or presentation? Did you did you like in the end? Yeah, for us, it really came down to situation and, and the best chance to to go in and uh, be on the active roster uh, year one. You know really didn't feel like it was worth our time to go into a situation where a team wasn't all that interested. The situation didn't yield the best opportunity to get on the field and be on an active roster. And um, we feel like if I was going to be in a practice squad situation, it would be better just to go and stay with the Lions, right? So um, the, J- the Jack- Jackson were, Jacksonville always, um, they, they were big on, on me from the beginning. They were um, uh, very interested, really wanted to give me a chance to compete to be the number two guy. And um, and then you know I think for me it's really important to have at least that opportunity to uh, to make a difference if something were to happen to the starter in Trevor Lawrence. So um, you know all those factors was really the big thing. And then obviously the the the, the opportunity to, to be coached by Doug Peterson, someone who's had a lot of success with young quarterbacks and um, you know just a stand up guy all around. So looking forward to uh, all those different things that, that made this uh, decision so much easier. So. Uh, so easy. C- certainly a quarterback friendly guy, right? Peterson's done a great job with Lawrence from his first year to his second year. What do you, what do you, uh, you know, is that, was that a determining factor for you, Nathan? Just the turnaround Trevor Lawrence has had with Peterson. Yeah, certainly part of it. Um, you know, you see, I think, uh, first of all, Trevor is a outstanding quarterback and he's got a bright future ahead of him. Um, but I think that you definitely see a, a huge progression in terms of just what they're asking him to do, but also understanding the game. And so you, you look at that as an outsider and you say, hey, you know, on top of all the great things you hear about um, Doug Peterson's character, the way that he treats, you know, everyone the same and, and they're a family over there in Jacksonville, um, you know, you're going to learn a lot of football and you're going to uh, develop and grow as a quarterback, which for me, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's what I want to do. I want to get better and uh, put myself in a position one day to be an NFL starter. Certainly can't uh, hurt that you had a connection, albeit brief, with Henry Burris in BC. And then you've got Mike McCoy there, the former Charger head coach, been an offensive coordinator and has ties to the CFL at the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, yeah. We spoke, we, we, uh, we talked a little CFL. 
uh, when when I was down there for my workout. He, I believe, he backed up uh, Dave Dickinson mm-hmm. for a bit when he in uh, in Calgary. So, um, so uh, and so he was telling me about how windy it was in Calgary and <laughs> if I played in any of those games. And um, and so he he had fond memories. And that just goes to show you, I think, the the respect that people have for the CFL. Um, maybe it's not so obvious, but the people who are involved in football really have respect for the people that come out there. And so I, I really feel like I'm going to have a shot. Um, so looking forward to working with Coach McCoy, but also also just uh, really uh, excited and pumped up to work with Henry Burr, someone that I deeply respect and um, who's been in my corner rooting for me uh, from Jacksonville for uh, for a while, uh, you know, even before the 22 season started. So um, I'm just looking forward to that. A lot of people I feel like are in the building that are hoping that I continue to grow and, and develop uh under their care. Well, Henry went through this too, uh, going down with Green Bay and Chicago. What kind of advice did he give you? Did he give you any key advice? Yeah, when I went down there, he was very helpful. He he gave me some really unsolicited advice, just trying to give give me uh, uh, talk to me about his experience, like you mentioned, and um, you know, he was telling me that you know the situation that he went down to wasn't something that uh, he would do again. He he felt like he he felt like he left the CFL too early and. He ended up being just the third string. Actually, ended up being behind Doug Peterson in Green Bay, mm-hmm. um, which is where the connection is from. Um, but uh, but you know, for me, he just he just said, "Hey, if the situation's right, and they're going to give you a chance to, to contribute, which I feel like I am going to be able to um, in Jacksonville, uh, you know, that, that take advantage of that." And and so um, I, I really appreciated that. And, and like I said, I'm looking forward to working with him and I get down there. So uh, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. There's no doubt about it. But you're always one injury away from playing there or somewhere else. Like we talk about it in the CFL here, Nathan, pro football anywhere. Preseason football, you're not only – it's the greatest job interview in the world. You're not only auditioning for your current team but other teams. Is that kind of how you're approaching things? I know you're a Jacksonville Jaguar. But, you know, training camp, the, the you know, mini camp, training camp, and then the pre- Season that'll be money time for Nathan Rourke. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I think you think of it one thing at a time, right? You try to do everything you can to make an impression within the building that you're at. But we've done, uh, you know, 12 workouts, and, and and we've been in a bunch of buildings, and I've you know shook a lot of hands and and try to make an impression wherever I go. And so, uh, you know, like you said, if we have a good preseason, then you know who knows what ha- what's to happen. Um, you know, I just it it just makes more sense. Uh, to be able to go and be in the NFL and get NFL film, whether it's the preseason or a regular season, um, and, and for teams to evaluate you there uh, in hopes of being an NFL starter rather than playing a couple more years in the CFL, which is something that we thought about. Um, but you're not going to go from the CFL even if I win a couple more, or if I win some great cups or, or win an MOP. Um, you know, I don't think teams are going to give you um, an NFL starting job right off the bat without going through the system a little bit, which is why we're doing it now while I'm young. It you know, will be 25 next year. So that was all part of the, the thought process with the decision. At any point, was it a tough decision for you? Because, I mean, let's be honest, you are rolling in BC, but not only are you the face of the Lions, you were the face of the Canadian Football League, whether you want to admit it or not. You were must-see TV. You were one of those guys like a McDavid in hockey and such. You were that to the CFL. Was it tough at all to make this decision? Yeah, for me, it was it was tough because um, I had some really great relationships and had some great teammates and coaches in BC, and you know I was familiar with the offense and uh, you know the way that things ended last year. I didn't feel like we, you know, I did my performance to that team justice, and so I it was hard for me to let that go and um, be able to um, to move on from that. And um, I really wanted to you know run it back one more time with that team and. 
And um, that, that was what made that decision tough. It, it was just, you know, it's just the guys in the locker room and, and the people in that building. So, um, you know, the big good thing is that those people have been very, very, um, very, very kind and appreciative and, and very understanding of, of my decision and uh, very supportive. And so um, I know that there's, we're going to be able to stay in touch. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, at the end of the day, what I was um, torn between. Yeah. Uh, how's the injury? How, how, how's everything going with that? I know you played at the end, but uh, have things progressed since the season ended? Yeah, we just kind of try to maintain it the best I can. I, you know, I, I feel a lot better than I did at the West Final, to be honest, and especially in the, the West Semi. Um, you know, but I, I really haven't had any time off for these next couple of weeks after the decision. You know, I, I, you know the next couple of weeks I'll have uh, surgery and, and get the hardware out, which really then we're on a road to being 100%. I think that the, the hardware in there kind of lacked, uh, prevented me from having full mobility. So I was just kind of making uh, use of what I had. And um, so once we get that out, we'll be we rocking and ready to go and and uh, looking forward to uh, what what the future holds in terms of what um, the NFL has. Yeah, uh, you and your fiance, congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Um, uh, so I imagine here over the next little bit, you said surgery, but you got to look for some places now. I'm thinking in Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're doing that. It's it's been it's been a lot of a lot of things happening. We're getting married here in the summer and. And so a lot of things are, are happening very quickly, and but it's all really exciting stuff. Wouldn't can't imagine anybody else that'd rather go on this adventure list. So uh, both of us uh, Canadians going down to Jacksonville, we're going to be uh, snowbirds really early in our in our <laughs> lives, and uh, we're going to enjoy every minute of it. Hey. Um... Before I, uh, I want to ask you to say something to CFL fans before you're gone, because we, you've got a lot of fans across the country right here in Saskatchewan, too, but you talked about it at the start of the interview. Do you, have you had a chance to really sit and let it marinate? Uh, hey, I am, I, I grew up watching Brett Favre. I wanted to give the NFL a go. Now I get a chance to do it. Yeah, Michael, I think uh, when I have a chance to, to get down there and spend some time around the team and the facilities and the coaches and kind of get a taste of what the NFL life is, is like. And I, that's when I think he'll probably sit in right now. Still being here in Canada and, and, you know, living in my parents' house. Like I think all those things are, haven't quite set, uh, you know, sunk in quite yet, but I am looking forward to it. It is a dream come true, but in reality, you know, this is where the work really starts. And um, I'm really looking forward to that. And, I uh, can't wait for it to happen. Isn't that funny? I'm talking to you like you're the next coming because you really were. We were waiting for a Canadian studded quarterback for years, and, and you lit the league on fire while living in your parents' basement. I don't mean to laugh, but that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely was. I was. I it was something that I was uh, a little ashamed of first year, but you know, when I realized how much money I was saving, I, I was I was very happy about it, and uh, you know, I, I've, I think I've done pretty. A pretty good job of of uh, being smart with my money uh, on a rookie minimum CFL salary, and uh, I'm very appreciative to be able to, you know, come home and have the support of of my parents and of the rest of the family here in British Columbia. And again, one of the part of the reason that it was difficult was the fact that some family that doesn't usually get to come see me play uh, got to see me play a lot of home games, and that was really special to me. I'm glad it happened, and uh, very appreciative to. Uh, to uh, for the opportunity for the Lions. Well, I think you can agree with this. this. The NFL didn't look at you the first time. They wanted you to be a receiver, and now you're back as a quarterback, and that wouldn't have happened without, obviously, your talents, but a chance to have that platform, and that is the CFL. So any message mm-hmm. to CFL fans listening to this thing? 
Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm really grateful. The reception um, was was fantastic. I mean, uh, it was a real treat to play at BC Place in front of uh, the BC Lions fans, who were just fantastic. And um, but it, it was really special to be able to go to you know away stadiums and uh, some really great places to play. And a lot of passionate CFL fans across the country that were um, that were fans of me, and um, and I I really appreciate that. I know that there's a lot of pride that um, CFL fans take in their Canadian players, and um, I hope that continues for the for the next batch of guys and and the already emerging stars that are in this league. And um, and uh, I hope that I just hope that continues. And I just I'm, I'm very grateful for the, the opportunity it, it was to to, uh, to really. Um, to really, uh, yeah, to make to make a, a bit of a name of myself and and to be able to to play uh, a, a game that I love and in front of so many people who were happy to see me play and, and were as fired up as I was. So um, just really appreciative of that and you know, it'll be an experience I never forget. I'm very grateful for the uh, the way that uh, my career has gone so far. Well, Ryder Nation will be a part of your uh, history because you were on the field when Mike Riley couldn't play. Didn't start off so yeah. great, but you really came back with a lot of moxie. In fact, I think you guys ran out of time that game, but that was your first taste of professional football, and it was right here in the heartland yeah. of football, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was fun. What a way to start, right? I mean, you got, you got to go to the... Like you said, yeah, the the, the heart of the, the CFL and the heart of Canadian football, and uh, it, it, Mosaic's always going to be a special place for me to play. I mean, we we're we we're pretty successful playing there this year, uh, this past year. So uh, it's always, what a, a, a fun place to win, and um, and uh, just would have liked to have played that last game in Mosaic uh, that they played this year. That would have been fun as well. Well, my second favorite team now, the Jacksonville Jags, uh, and they just happened to beat my first uh, favorite team, the Chargers. So, uh, hey, uh, best of luck, my friend, and thanks for uh, taking time out of a very busy time for you and talking to me, okay? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Anytime. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Got a text from my kid. I love it when my kid's listening to the show. Because these young whippersnappers, they could be on TikTok or anything, right? Did I just say whippersnapper? These young kids, (laughs) Zinger, could be, and I know I'm his dad, but they could do anything they want, right? Oh, and, yeah. and he's listening to the show. I love Rourke. He goes, great interview. So he's been listening to the show. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Yeah, Ethan, I'm going to say a few prayers for you tonight. He goes for his shoulder surgery yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Torn labor, noon. Yep. So there you go. Uh, I'll be thinking of that. Tell you what, too. man, I'm going to tell you something right now. I have so much respect for student athletes. Like when some of these meatball bozos get on here and tell me, oh, good thing Nias quit because uh, he wasn't a pro caliber quarterback anyway. He was running a CFL offense under Scott Flory, you know, Canadian Football Hall of Famer, who got it from Mark Tressman. You know, the guy that turned Rich Gannon, you know, Rich Gannon of the Minnesota Vikings into an NFL MVP and took him to a Super Bowl. You know that? That guy that took Anthony Calvillo to otherworldly heights? And you're going to tell me that Mason Ias can't have... Some guys just don't have a stomach to play football. Get out of here. These kids, whether it's football, hockey, women's basketball, they... A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. That's why I'm an advocate of supporting our young athletes where a lot of people don't notice them till till 
they're playing like Connor, oh, Connor Bedard, or ooh, how about Nathan Rourke now? Well, were you paying attention to Nathan Rourke five years ago? Like, that's, I, I get a kick out of that. So, you know. His brother's going to be good too. Curtis, yeah. yeah. Here's the other thing about Nias we haven't talked about. I'm using him as an example. Or like a Matlin Riley. These kids, I know my kid, he has had a job for two months in grade 10 when he was renovating a house with my friend Andy Robinson just before old Taylor Field was uh, Mm -hmm. torn down. But he has not had his own money. Like his sister's got her own money. His girlfriend works. He can't work because he's a student athlete. And so when it comes time to play the CFL game or whatever, if the money isn't really what they thought or whatever and they got two degrees, they want to make their own money. They don't, they're tired of their dad and mom being the ATM and you'll say, Oh, that's the life. Well, it's not really the life. It's about pride. And I think we forget a lot about that. Like Lubardius was talking about Huberto. We forget these kids are human too. I want to, I don't want to ask my dad for 50 bucks. I want to have my own money. So that becomes a thing. And the CFL needs to seriously look at revenue streams to continue to build up those wages. Like Zinger. Nathan Rourke is the face of the damn football league, and he is sleeping in his parents' basement. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. No, I, I get it. We're not going to be the NFL. But at the same time, we got to find out, figure out ways. I've always said this. Budget for a twenty or 25,000-seat league. And... And, and there's no shame in that. Don't compare yourself to the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NHL. But compare yourself to you and be a better version of you. And it goes like this. Quarterback should be the highest paid player on a football team. Okay? But does he need 600000 Are we going to lose him? Or, because, like, how do you pay a CFL quarterback 600000 but you pay your left tackle to block, get his brains beaten in, or a Matlin Riley, 55, 60,000. I know you'll say in the NFL, well, the quarterback makes 25 and the left tackle makes six. Yeah, but they're both millionaires. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know where I'm going with that? Like, you float all boats by uh, having a better wage setup. I don't know. They got to look at some things, and it just seems like every year we talk, but we don't get a lot done. Uh, Zinger, do you got some text there? Yeah, we got Brian on the text line. Just tuned in. Who is refusing to come on the show? Question mark. Nah, I'm not saying. No, I'm not, not saying, saying. I'm not, not saying, saying that. But I will tell you, it's two football teams, two prominent football teams. But the Toronto Argonauts, like that, it's not that they're refusing to be with us. They're just ref- they don't want to talk right now. Yeah, I was, and it was disappointing. Well, it's ridiculous. Why don't we have any promotion? Like, Why yes, is- it's the off season, but like, it's not the off season. There's no this off season thing- in the NFL. No. There's no off season in the NHL. There's no off season in Major and, League Baseball. Isn't that like what we've been like talking about, like across the country for a couple of years now? How like there's nothing going on in the off season. Well. That's because stuff like this happens. Nobody wanna, wants stuff. To we don't want to have a CFL week. It was a good idea, but we just want to talk our game. Like, we, yeah, we want. We want. I was free told, promotion. I was told at CFL week we don't want to have a CFL week because basically, my understanding is we get the same people showing up. We want to get new fans. Well, if you want to well, do it, do it in a way where you will, will get new fans. Yeah, like oh, how gee, lazy that, thinking that is. That Chad Kelly's a pretty good guy. Oh, that Dane Evans is a pretty good guy. Hey, Bring in yeah. a couple of players. Yes, like, but but he, I'm just talking interviews. Like, ooh, he's a good. Maybe I'll go. He seems like a cool dude. I'll follow him on social media. That Gino Lewis. Hey, maybe I'll get his jersey. But. You gotta wanna put in the effort, the sweat equity, and the money. It's gotta start somewhere. It's gotta start somewhere. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
531 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. NHL tonight. Winnipeg is in Montreal. Florida is in Toronto. The Seattle Kraken are in Edmonton to take on the Oilers. Detroit at Mullet Arena in Arizona. Buffalo, Chicago. Minnesota, Washington. Anaheim at Philadelphia. And the Jackets are in Nashville. The Orlando Magic and Phoenix Suns will likely pursue Raptors guard Fred Van Vliet and the upcoming free agency. Time now for Pat Chat, and it's brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Check out everything on the CBH's new feature menu at the Canadian Brew House. Com. The Regina Pats are on a three-game heater. They've won the last three on home ice, and they've got a big weekend set coming up against the Swift Current Broncos. Friday and Swifty, Saturday back here at the Brandt Center. Last time the Pats were on Brandt Center ice, they beat the Portland Winterhawks 4-3, to and Alex Suzdalev had a highlight real goal. Yeah, well, luckily it went in, sure, yeah. But uh, had him on back end and uh, like, tried to move before, so... For sure, happy that went in. How often have you tried that move? A couple times. I mean, uh, not that much now. But when you're younger, you're trying to do like funny, fun things and like be creative. So sometimes, yeah. What's the feeling in the locker room after a couple of big wins this weekend? Yeah, for sure, it's uh, electric. For sure, uh, we uh, when we play as the best hockey we can play, uh, we can beat strong teams. So for sure, it's uh, great energy in the team uh, in the room now. How, how many nerve, how nervous, nerve-wracking was it at the end where they're getting close, there's a goal called back, uh, is that a little tense? Yeah, sure, uh, it's a little uh, intense, like you say, and uh, you kind of get nervous, for sure, but you're trying to stay as strong as a group and uh, like taking step by step and trying to kill the play, so luckily we did and we won the game. Three straight wins all against really good opponents, uh, what has been the key to not only winning but winning against teams that are really tough to beat? Yeah, for sure. Like I said, uh, we're playing the best hockey we can play, and uh, I'm sure really nice to get Stan back and Connor, and uh, like uh, so they they show how good players they are every every game, and we're doing as a team, and uh, I'm sure we beat we can beat any strong team, I think. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage, brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery. the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Western Pizza, our proud sponsor of the hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Just ahead of our two-time Super Bowl champ and regular NFL expert, Tyrone Poole. Let's go to Sean and Moose Jaw on the Western Pizza hotline. Go ahead, Sean. Hey, Michael, I just wanted to talk about the importance of CFL Week. It's just like these, I feel like these guys just don't get it. Um, I don't know if the guy's making the decision. Uh, let me tell you one story about CFL Week in 2018 or 20. I can't remember. The stadium was just, had it being built or had just recently been built. Whatever the last time they had it, Regina. It was built. It, was, it was built. Yeah, just built. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, you know, I had some really weird interactions and good interactions. I'll start by, you know, I was walking, looking where I was supposed to go. I saw Rod Smith. I'm like, hey, uh, where am I supposed to go? And Rod Smith that looked at me like, hey, get out of my way, you banjo picking inbred. But anyway, so whatever, there was that. But then I got into, uh, this is the cool story, is I got into the stadium, and I see Bull Levi. He's got to be about, 
I don't know. He's got to be about 70 meters away from a good distance, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, Bo, hey, Bo. You know what? He turns around, walks all the way over, and this is when this guy was the start of the CFL, right? This was the guy that was burning up the league. He walked all the way over, and I said, hey, Bo, you know what? I just love watching you play, man. It's exciting to watch you play. And he was so appreciative of that that... You know, and everybody at the time thought Bo was, you know, this, you know, this jerk. He was absolutely the antithesis of that. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Sean. If Bo Levi Mitchell comes here, because I've got to know him pretty well, people are going to love this guy. He, he, and and we definitely need guys like him in the league. And I think he's the only guy that could sell tickets. But more to your point, this is something the CFL needs to figure out. It, part of it is they don't want to tell us that. And hey, they went through a bad spot with pandemic. I get it. Okay, it was bad for everybody. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be totally down on them, but. You gotta spend money to make money, and that thing costs money to put on. So if you're not gonna do that, fine. And if you're gonna go with the digital footprint, then you better get on it. Get on streaming. I'm watching Hard Knocks in season. That is outstanding stuff. This that might be a little bit rich for the CFL's blood, but why couldn't they do that? Why in the broadcasts can't we take us to the replay booth and see that like they used to do for that spring football league? There are so many things they could do. And Sean, to your Bo Levi Mitchell point, when would Sean ever Ever get to walk up in a pavilion and say hi to Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow like that? Because that would have been the equivalent. Yeah, it was incredible. And guess what? I didn't walk over to him. He took the time to walk all the way over to me. And that just told me everything I needed to know about Boldy by Mitchell. It's too bad that CFL we couldn't go on. I just remember grabbing footballs and gunning them through the, you know, through the tires and having fun, right? And I think, you know what, maybe it is money well spent, but you know what, you want people coming to the game? That's how you start it, right? Mic drop. Good call, Sean. Thanks for your time. Safe travels. All right, let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline, talk with a two-time Super Bowl champ, Tyrone Poole, which I really appreciate this about you, Tyrone. I will tell you this, you kind of, the CFL is a mom and pop league. It's the second best football league in the world behind the NFL. But one of the things about the CFL is what our caller just said. You can reach out and touch the, touch the athletes. That's what I appreciate about you. You said, Hey, ball, I had you on a couple of times and you said, Hey, ballsy, aren't we doing this every Monday? And I'm like, Wow, this two-time champ wants to come on every Monday. So I appreciate that. I feel like uh, you're one of us. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Thank you, uh, Michael. And hello to all of uh, my Canadian uh, friends uh, north of the border. Of course, I'm here in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. But I'll say this about the CFL. You know, really the only difference between, in my mind, the difference between CFL, football, and the NFL, television. Mm -hmm. If you give the CFL the same amount of uh, uh, ability to broadcast, the CFL would be a money-making machine too, uh, because actually there are a lot of rules that are uh, that the CFL use that some of the sports leagues here in the uh, state, uh, like the XFL, uh, uh, you know, they got the USFL. So there are a lot of rules, uh, wide open football, that I think a lot of people enjoy. You know, with this offensive pass-happy uh, fans. 
Uh, I'm a defensive person. You know, I like to see those 10, mm. 7, 76 scores because it goes from being checkers to chess. Every move has to be calculated. But, no, I think if the CFL got the television deal, uh, just like the NFL, I think uh, the CFL would be just like the NFL. Well, the, great, the, the, greatest, the greatest football rule, in my opinion, in the last 10 years that has changed, is moving the extra point back to the 32-yard line. It made a meaningless play into something. We saw Brett, Maha, Brett Maher miss four Point after attempts. He kicked in the CFL. That's hilarious, man. So the CFL started that first, and the NFL adopted it. The CFL started the challenge for pass interference, the NFL, and rule changes. The NFL adopted the challenge format from the CFL. So there are a lot of things the CFL does where they're trendsetters. And once again, we don't brag about it much because that's our Canadian way. But let me ask you this, man. Do you not shake your head when you're watching this? Like, you put the Cowboys kicker out to kick four... 32-yard field goals in a row, and I guarantee you he makes all of those field goals. But you put him out for four extra points, and he misses them all in the row. I've asked a bunch of people this. I'm going to ask you, why do you think that is? Do they just take their foot off the gas because they just it registers in their brain that it's only one point and not worth three? No, actually, I think what happened uh, is he lost his confidence. It's like anybody that does anything, you know, once, you know, you're already nervous. You know, uh, I played and started, not just played, but started for 12 uh, plus years. And every game, every snap, I got nervous. So this guy, this is not just something that, hey, whoopee doo, let me go kick it. No, they're thinking about a whole lot of things. And I think when he missed that first one, the first one, like, okay, all right, all right, I get it right. The second one, he was thinking about it. And then after the second miss, oh, it was downhill from there, buddy. It's like, you know, he really lost his confidence. It's like myself playing defensive back. You know, I got beat uh, on the first touchdown. Okay, cool. I bounced back. I get beat on the second touchdown. I'm like, hold on. Something is wrong. After that, I start thinking too much. And then the third, uh, uh, you know, my third time getting beat makes it easier. I uh, put an offense to beat me and so on and so on. But I lost my confidence. So, mm. We'll see what Jerry Jones does. But if they know this guy very well, I think he'll be back um, kicking. I don't think they're going to get rid of him because they, you know, the guy, what, kicked 50-some uh, 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 straight field goals or something during the regular season. So they know what he can do. Well, he, this is like sitting down Peyton Manning yeah. or Tom Brady after they don't throw a five-interception game. No, you don't do that. Well, you saw Dak Prescott freaking out. Would Tyrone Poole go and want to punch out the kicker? Like, he's a kicker. You got one job. Kick the ball. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny you say that because I heard Steve Young say this, and I really believe it. Uh, he was talking about as far as uh, when you drive the ball downfield and you don't get the touchdown and you have to settle for the field goal, each field goal you kick where you should have scored a touchdown, you are one point from losing the game. So every field goal you kick where you should have scored a touchdown, you're that much closer to losing. So... These extra points are very, very, very important. And like you said, not only did you miss one, one, okay, but four, that's four points. That's four points. So even Las Vegas was mad at the kicker. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Hey, you've referenced this a couple of times. I've never asked you this, so I'm going to ask you it. Are you more proud of two Super Bowl champs or championships, or are you more proud – to be a starting defensive back in the NFL for 12 years. Well, 
you know, it's kind of like the water and the wet. You know, if you get the water, you're going to get the wet. If you want the wet, you're going to get the water. You know, uh, it's like uh, one of our presidents said uh, he did inhale. Well, well, if you put it to your mouth and you inhale, you you did smoke a little bit. So anyway, I'm not going to go there. But, uh, but I'll say this. Uh, to start and to have the Super Bowls, that basically says that unlike some guys that sit on the sideline, you may not get in unless somebody gets hurt. Yeah, you get two rings, you get three rings, four rings. But to actually get out there and be a part of that drive that stopped the team, uh, that part of the drive that uh, continued to you know, escort the touchdown, uh, again, that's why I say the water and the wet. I'm glad to have played, but it's even better when you played to help the team win the championship. So here's something. I had a sports psychologist on earlier, Dr. Rob Bell out of Indianapolis. He has talked at the Combine and uh, coaches who have won Super Bowls. and um, he, um, he referenced something that Brett Favre said in 96 when he hoisted the trophy. And after he hoisted the trophy, Brett was like, that's it? How did you feel? Like he said, he stresses the process over the product. Not that the product isn't important, but the process to get there. When you won the Super Bowl, what were your feelings? Was it, this is what it's supposed to feel like, or this is what it feels like? Or how did you feel? You know, actually, that's why the, the you know these teams, all thirty-two teams, uh, you know, come into mini camp. They go into OTAs. Uh, they go through preseason, regular season. That's why they're trying to get into the playoff. You don't just get into the playoff just to get there. Okay, you get there because you want to win that Lombardi Trophy. That Lombardi Trophy means that you are the best. You are the best. There were thirty-two teams, and you were the last team standing. So all other thirty-one teams come the following year. They have to recognize and bow down. And when they got, got you on their schedule, like when they had us on the schedule, okay, the Patriots, every coach, I guarantee you, when they played us, they said, the head coach said, today we get an opportunity to see if we are worthy of winning a championship because we are playing the champion. So I understand everybody has their own opinion, but I will say this as far as the excitement. Now, I think I, it didn't really hit me that we had won the Super Bowl until the next day because I was so full of energy and, you know, I'm like, I'm playing something that I love. And when I woke up that next morning uh, in the hotel, uh, you turn the television on and that's all everyone's talking about. You know, you're like, whoa, hold on, what, what, we did it, we won. But it's, it, I'm telling you, it's nothing like it to win that Super Bowl, to see that confetti fall, all of the hard work and the OTAs, the injuries, you know, the trading, and, you know, everybody shedding tears, smiles. It's over. We've done it, man. We did it. Everything that we set out to do our, on our first team meeting, we accomplished it. 31 other teams did and said the same thing, and they're watching us host up this Super Bowl trophy that says that we are better than all other 31 teams. So I will say this, uh, Brett Favre, great quarterback, but I'm going to borrow something that Steve Young said. When they won the Super Bowl uh, in uh, 94, I believe, they had beaten the Chargers, the San Diego Chargers. Yeah. Steve Young held that trophy up, and this is how much it meant to him. He said, nobody, nobody can ever, ever, take this away. So once you win that Lombardi trophy, you go down in history. 
This guy, this guy's one too, Tyrone Poole. When we come back, we'll ask him about one of his former teammates, Tom Brady, who is starting this playoffs going after his eighth. I want to get uh, Tyrone's opinion on that and some of the games we got coming up this weekend. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Show is rolling along. A nice, fairly nice January night here at the corner 12th and Rose. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. 936-6262, the number to text. Show's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. And continue our conversation with two-time Super Bowl champ Tyrone Poole. Tyrone, you played with Tom Brady. Won a couple of championships with terrific Tom. Uh, now, it wasn't all his fault. He didn't look great last night. Two-part question. Is he washed up? What kind of advice would you give to your teammate if you could talk to him? Should he retire or should he keep playing? Well, one thing I'll say this. Um, it doesn't matter how old or young. Uh, it's a team game. And just like Aaron Rodgers, you know, if, if you put the right people around the right system, the right quarterback, the right whatever, then – it's going to automatically improve. Now, the thing about it, as you get older, you know, uh, you don't have that, um, uh, should I say, that, that, that versatility as you had before. So you become smarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think as long as Tom has the passion, and we all know that he's gone through, you know, a lot of things this year. Uh, you know, anytime you go through a situation with your family, uh, that's very tough. Uh, whether you lose a family member by death or you lose a family member by whatever outcomes, that's tough. I don't know anybody that can perform at a high level in a high level uh, uh, situation and go through something that's traumatic. So I think Tom Steele has the passion. I think he just needs to take a little time off, go enjoy himself. And uh, uh, as long as his shoulder is good, just like a running back, just like a defensive back, a wide receiver. If a defensive back, wide receiver, running back, if we're good from our waist down, then we could play several more years. We just got to keep that passion. So I say all that to say as long as Tom's shoulder is strong and he can still throw that ball, then he has the passion, which I think he does and he will, because uh, I feel like he's going to have something to prove. Uh, I think he'll be back and I think he'll do uh, real well. So uh, two games I want to talk about this weekend in the divisional round. Let's start with uh, the team you grew up loving, the Dallas Cowboys against the San Francisco 49ers. Classic NFC matchup. Um, took the Cowboys 30 years to win a playoff game on the road. They did that last night. I think they have what it takes to win two in a row. I'm picking the Dallas Cowboys over the 49ers. Yeah, you know, that one there, we all love the classic, you know, the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. That's another classic. Mm-hmm. But, again, the 49ers and the uh, Cowboys, I just think uh, the uh, 49ers just have too much of uh, of an arsenal on offense. And I think, you know, you can get out in front of those guys and uh, it's not safe. And uh, we heard players from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers say, from their mouth, and they study film, right? You and I, we sitting up here talking about the game, all right? But uh, they actually, players were 
heard saying that the Cowboys are not like they're not they're basic. What's the word that was used? Mm-hmm. They're basic. They're not going to come and just do anything off the wall. They're just going to dare you to beat them. And I don't think they can come with that attitude to the 49ers because the 49ers just got too much on offense. Uh, the defense is pretty doggone good. Uh, so I, I just think the 49ers are the team to beat. All right, interesting. What happens if Dallas gets out early and Brock Purdy has to come back and do it himself? Do you think Mr. Irrelevant can get it done? Well, he's already shown that the one thing I tell people, he just didn't start this like in the playoffs, you know. It's like you can sometimes uh, – well, two things I'm going to say that's working in his favor, all right, Brock's favor. Number one, there's not enough film on him to determine what his weaknesses are. So he's coming into a situation of playoffs where teams are still trying to learn him. It's like a coach out of college coming into the, to the professional ranks, coming to the CFL. There's not enough footage to see where his weaknesses are. So he's going to probably do pretty good, which Brock is doing. Second thing is he has played in the regular season. So he's comfortable with the guys. And the offensive coaches are comfortable with him. So I think, you know, he's going to continue to uh, have this Cinderella uh, season go for him. And um, I think it'll be next year. Uh, when people really find out what his weaknesses are. All right, so the other one I like, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. That's going to be an interesting game, a game that was canceled because of the DeMar Hamlin situation. Thank goodness everything is trending up for him. They get a rematch. Uh, Bengals were winning 7-3 in that game, but now all the chips are on the table. I feel like the Bills are kind of like, they're like a home run hitter. It's all or nothing, like a Mike Tyson. I'm going to swing for the fences. Uh, I'm, I'm very dynamic. But they're playing sloppy football lately. Like, Josh Allen can get things done, but he can also screw up quite a bit, too. Uh, who do you like in that game, Bengals or the Bills? Well, I, I, I tell you what, Michael, from being a professional athlete, no one wants to play in the cold, right? And <laughs> I played up in Buffalo, and it does get cold. The great thing about this game is on Sunday. Now, if they had played, like, uh, maybe in the oh, that Saturday, um, you don't want to be in Buffalo playing an eight fifteen game, right? Even though uh, the Bengals and the Bills got the early game on yep. Sunday, it's three o'clock game, so the weather's going to be pretty good, hopefully. So uh, I think you know the Bengals got an opportunity here. Uh, the Bills, the Bills had trouble with a uh, a rookie backup, you know. So uh, now you got Joe Cool coming in, you got uh, uh, Chase. Jamar Chase, and, you know, you got a good running game. I don't know. I I do think Cincinnati can uh, steal this game and walk out of uh, 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 Buffalo with a victory. Jacksonville's a nice story. Big comeback. Great great building blocks there. Doug Peterson's done a great job with Trevor Lawrence, but I don't think they've got enough to beat the Chiefs. How about you? Now the Cinderella story ends with the Jaguars uh, uh, against the Chiefs. Man, Andy Reid is one of the best uh, coaches, man, and he's going to have the Chiefs ready to play. All right, and then the other one, you mentioned a classic. We got the Giants and we got the Eagles. Does Brian Dayball, who I think is the coach of the year, does he have enough magic with Daniel Jones to beat what will be less than a 100% Jalen Hurts and the Eagles? Yeah, you know, when you look at these teams, man, they they know each other. That's the scary thing about it. You know, it's like going against your brother, right? Uh, I don't care how many times you have beaten your brother in the past. 
But it just seems like when it comes down to it and it's all for the money, your brother finds some kind of way to knock you off. So, you know, it's going to be a pretty pretty good game because these two teams play each other uh, regularly. Uh, and uh, But uh, Dayball, actually I was with him in New England. He was the receivers coach uh, when I was in New England. So my hat's off to him for doing a great job. He's another protege of Bill Belichick, and uh, the Giants are good. So if they can run the ball, I think the Giants can can, can do pretty good. But I think Jalen Hurts, the Eagles, again, I, I give the victory to them. They had that week off. Uh, they're going to be ready to play. They're going to come out with energy, and uh, I give it to the Eagles. I've been there when we've had that week off. And then as soon as we get out there and play that, First game, we're on fire. So I expect the Eagles to be on fire, and I expect them to win this game. About 90 seconds left. Uh, work that thing. That's your saying. What is it? And who's your work that thing player from this past weekend? Yeah, You know what? I'm going to go ahead and give it to Dak Prescott. You know, everybody was kind of on his back, and, you know, he got he came down in Tampa and had a pretty pretty good game. So I'm going to give it to Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. I don't oh. think they're going to be the 49ers this week, but I'll <laughs> play pretty, dog, pretty, pretty doggone good against the Buccaneers. Okay, so for for speaking engagements, supplements, uh, motivational stuff, because you're good at all of those, uh, and I'm trying to get you on a couple of dinner circuits here locally, where can they get a hold of you? Where can they find you? Uh, work that thing supplements. Your body is my business. Go to Tyrone Pool. I'm sorry, go to workthatthing.com. Work thatthing.com. And if you're looking for someone to come in and motivate you, uh, get you out your chair, get you ready to roll, get your employees ready to produce, time in and time out, or maybe you're just trying to get your students to get A's. I'm your guy. TyronePool38.com. TyronePool38.com. Let's do that. Well, brother, you got me out of my seat. I did this whole interview standing, so there you go. I did it standing. I didn't sit. I was rocking back and forth like it was the national anthem, like we're ready to go. Hey, the jet's flying over. Yeah, there you go. Hey, thanks for your time. Have a good rest of the week, okay, Tyrone? All right, Michael, you do the same. Thank you, man. Take care. Tyrone Poole joining us here to wrap up the show. Coming up tomorrow, we got a great show lined up. We are going to have the uh, general manager of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders just after 5 o'clock, Jeremy O'Day, to answer some questions. We'll hear from Argonauts quarterback Chad Kelly. we got the uh, color commentator on the Edmonton Oilers radio network, Bob Stoffer. We'll check in with the Saskatchewan Rush, uh, Rush lacrosse team. That and much, much more. It's the Sports Cage tomorrow. If you missed today, Today's show, check it out uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries here on 620 CKRM.